0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Good morning to you on a Wednesday. Halfway through the week already and actually the first time this week that we look out over Monument Circle and it's relatively clear out. It's not completely, it doesn't look like a can of soup outside, which uh, I guess is good news. A little bit cooler this morning, 45 or 46. You're going to need a jacket when you head out, but uh, looking forward to hopefully another warmer day by January standards. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton flying the ship for us as always. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan, a lot to talk about this morning, including, is it possible that one of the Colts targets for the head coaching position is already getting interest elsewhere, which I think was to be expected. We will get to that in just a second. But, uh, Kevin, we have a little bit more information than yesterday regarding the health, the progress, and, you know, the recovery for uh, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. The latest, his uncle talking yesterday, essentially that he is still on oxygen but apparently, they are not having to require. It is not. There's not as much oxygen that they're needing than prior. I, I, I don't. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But he was taking in 100 percent, I guess, of the oxygen originally. Now they have lowered that down just a little bit, but still not breathing on his own. Um, but according to his uncle and and some family reports, small steps, but steps nonetheless.
2: Yeah, 100 down to 50 is what his uncle said from an oxygen percentage standpoint. Uh, No update from the Bills or the medical center since yesterday, really just about lunchtime. Um, Yesterday is when you had right around kind of 1 o'clock is when you had basically the Bills and, and the Hamlin family just thanking everybody. Um, for all their thoughts and then the NFL did announce that the game will not be resumed this week and as of right now the week 18 schedule which will begin on Saturday. You have two games on Saturday, Kansas City and the Raiders and then Titans-Jags as of now will go on uh, as according to plan I guess. So we'll continue to monitor things um, throughout the morning if there are any updates on that front. I did want to mention Jake, I, I, you know, When you see the scene from Monday night, I don't know how familiar NFL fans are with the medical personnel that's on each sideline or in a stadium within a game. Um, basically, each team brings 10 medical staff members to the game, and they're right there on the sideline. We're talking athletic trainers, primary care physicians, a couple orthopedic surgeons, Um, You have a neuro doctor, you have a chiropractor for anything spinal related. So each team is bringing, you know, if the Colts travel on the road, they just travel to play the Giants, they're bringing 10 medical members to that game. Um, Obviously, the home team would have 10 of their own. And then each stadium has an additional 10. Um, So you're talking there, you know, people that can handle the x-ray machine within the stadium, um, you know eye doctor but a, a dentist if you if you need that from a um, from a teeth standpoint you have another neurosurgeon some EMTs on staff so basically if you add all that up you got about 30 medical people at an NFL game 10 with each team and 10 with the stadium so um I don't know. I I find that a a little interesting, and obviously when you saw the scene on Monday night and you're curious exactly who all those people are, where they come from, who are they affiliated with. Ten people from the Bills, ten people from the Bengals, ten people within Cincinnati Stadium, separate from the team. Uh, That makes up the medical staff that obviously uh, had very, very prompt attention to DeMar Hamlin
1: and then the ambulance and the trauma center from there. Do you remember, um, and obviously not even close to the same thing, but still you know a grotesque a grotesque injury and one that was fairly traumatizing for a lot of people do you remember when kevin Ware, the guard i believe that was his name the guard from louisville yeah over the compound fracture in the ncaa tournament here and if you recall when that happened like instantly and i can't recall who they were playing but instantly, a For some reason Michigan's popping in my head. Yeah, there was a trainer from from one of the other teams that was on the floor like instantly, like yeah. saw it, and you know what I mean. I mean, and, and covered, I, I believe
2: covered it up or did something. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I mean, you know, it goes without saying that obviously in those situations, I mean, there's no team allegiance, right? I mean, it's just boom. I said this to you yesterday,
2: Jake. When a player gets hit on an opposing sideline, it often involves a lot of hooting and hollering from that team. Of the hit, in um, kind of a celebration almost. What you almost always see is one or two people kind of scurrying to that player, even though they're on the other team. And it's often the medical people, just to make sure, hey, let's make sure this guy's okay. And you know, everyone's kind of celebrating the play. And and I think that's where you do see, you know, there's no, hey, we're the Bills, we're the Bengals, um, we're all in this. Uh, in this together, I believe it was reported yesterday from ESPN that a uh, Colts safety, Rodney Thomas II, a high school teammate of Demar Hamlin, he was a year behind Demar at uh, Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. He went down and visited uh, Demar, or you know, I, I don't know if he actually visited him, but tried the to um, with the family down there. I think the report actually indicated he drove down Monday night. Um, but Rodney Thomas II, of course, a defensive back for the Colts, Demar Hamlin, a defensive back so those two have um, some
1: relationship there. Uh, I also saw, and again, I don't know how sometimes these things get thrown out there and then you find out they were embellished, but uh, I also saw that T. Higgins has basically not left the hospital. Really? That he's been, of course, T. Higgins lives in Cincinnati, he's a member of the Bengals, but, um, you know, that he is very concerned as well as it was his, whether or not it was that hit, you know, we don't know, maybe we'll never know, but... Uh, that the hit that T. Higgins and Hamlin had the collision just before um, the incident itself. So we'll let you know if there are any updates this morning on the condition of Demar Hamlin. We'll talk a little bit also just about what can be done, perhaps preventatively, for individuals or for youth sports that kind of thing. In terms of if there are uh, risks that one you know that are illuminated because of this incident, maybe it was isolated, you know, we, we don't know, but we'll talk about that over the course of the morning. I thought the big news yesterday, Kevin, to be honest with you, was there was a report over the, I can't remember if it was over the weekend or if it was Monday night saying that, you know, basically that Jim Harbaugh would be interested or would at least accept a phone call if an NFL team were to call him. And, you know, I think a lot of people just assumed that Indianapolis would be in that mix and that Jim Harbaugh would get a phone call from Jim Ursay, but Yesterday, the report that Carolina's already made that call, right? Yeah, I think that initial report was
2: even more aggressive than than that. Um, I believe it was something to the effect of sources close to Jim Harbaugh believe it's a done deal. Right. If if he gets an NFL offer. Now, my first thought was, boy, that screams agent-driven. In that, hey, Michigan, open up the blank checks if you really want to retain Jim Harbaugh. Um, for a long period of time. My other thought was Harbaugh has flirted with this idea for years. He has said and made it very clear that getting that Super Bowl, as he was extremely close to getting, is the pinnacle uh, of the game for him. And as you said, uh, reports yesterday that the Panthers, their owner David Tepper, uh, interviewed or at least had some sort of discussion with Harbaugh, and that was if they went that route, that would be you know back-to-back college head coaches for David Tepper after hiring and firing Matt Rule. Um, you know Denver, right now you got three openings. Carolina, Denver, Indy. How you rank those, I, I actually think the Colts are a little bit more of an attractive opening within those three organizations than maybe most. Um, I would say one of the bigger disadvantages, and Bob Kravitz brought it up with us yesterday, how much is Jim Mercer willing to pay?
1: Don't you feel like if it was Harbaugh, he'd pay $10 million? You would think. Um, Denver, new ownership group, coming from the
2: Walton family, so that's a little Walmart money there. Uh, that's no shortage of funds, Jake. And the John Elway connection in Denver, um, They, I think there are some reports there that they would have some definite, definite interest in that. I don't know if there's any sort of Harbaugh, Russell, Will. I mean, their time didn't overlap a ton in the NFC West. I don't know if there's any sort of connection on that front. F- for me with Harbaugh, Jake, I I guess I have a couple questions. Is he just going to take a gig to take a gig?
1: I, I think that for college coaches, Kevin. Because he's an attractive candidate. Like It's not like he's desperate. right. Yeah, you would think that it would be in Harbaugh's best interest to wait and see how many people call, right? He's not the coordinator that might only get one interview this coaching cycle. But I do think that from a – I mean, sure, he's been the back-to-back Final Four or, you know, college football playoffs. Um, He's beaten Ohio State two years in a row. Seems to have it going at Michigan. But I do think that there is something to be said for professional coaches that go into college – you know, and of, and of course, in Harbaugh's case, it was he's done both already. But just the recruiting aspect—you know—he went college pro back to college. But I, I think that eventually, the recruiting aspect of it does kind of wear coaches out. Where once they've had a taste of coaching in the NFL, of like, man, I don't—you know—in the NFL, guys have. I've got them for five years if they're under contract. I don't have to constantly go out and and rebuild my roster and constantly be on the road and beg the 17 year olds to come. And, you know, I I think that eventually wears guys out a little bit.
2: Well, the college game's a lot different, too, than it was five years ago. Yeah. Um, So I think that is something to point out as well. I guess a couple of things on the hardball front. Again, what is enticing to him? What is enticing to him about this Colts opportunity? Is it the Jim Ursay connection? It's not like he was a 10-year cult, Jake. I mean, uh, yes, he's in the Ring of Honor. and Yes, he had a, what was it, three years? Yeah. Basically, he's not Jeff Saturday. If you want to go down even that
1: But, that, you know, to, that to that Jim Ursay, he kind of is, though, right? Like, But, but, that, but is he to Jim Harbaugh? It is, does correct. Indy have no, no, the no. same sort of... Totally agree, yeah. I would think for Jim Harbaugh... I would think for Jim Harbaugh that he still thinks of himself... For, like. And this is such a moot point because people get confused by this. In baseball, when you go into the Hall of Fame, you pick the cap of a team that you played for, right? In football, if you go into the Hall of Fame, it's equal service. There's your bust, and then underneath it on the plaque, it lists your teams of service equally. It does not prioritize one franchise over the other. But for the sake of this discussion, if, if Jim Harbaugh had been a Hall of Fame player and he went into the Hall of Fame... What franchise does he pick as the one that he most associates himself with? I would think it's the Bears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was an IndyCar owner, so maybe that links him back to right. the city of Indianapolis, but I would think the Bears. I
2: just don't think it's a slam dunk like, oh my gosh, it's the Colts. Hell yeah. I, like totally, I agree I'm with in that. the ring of honor, Captain Comeback, all of that. Um and then lastly, how much control does he want, Jake?
1: Does he say, hey, if I'm coming here, Chris ballard has gone. Okay, let me ask you this. If he says that, what does Jim Irsay say? Right.
2: That's that's a big, big question. Um, part of me thinks Ursay would side with Harbaugh on that, but it's the same question I threw to Bob Kravitz yesterday, and I also threw to you. If Chris Ballard comes to Jim Irsay at the end of the season and says, if I'm staying, he's going, a.k.a. Jeff Saturday. If Jeff Saturday comes to... Jim Mercer at the end of the season says, if I'm staying, he's going. Well... in Chris Ballard. I, I'm very curious who has the owner's voice right now. Here's the thing. Chris Ballard's got his wallet. That's 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 a really good point. But Jeff Saturday's got his heart. True.
1: You know, there are... How about that? Boy, we just went deep there at seven thirteen. <laughs> there are... Money or love, baby? There's a lot of... Jeff Saturday is... I mean, there was so much criticism to Jim say about Jeff Saturday's hire, albeit interim. And it has not gone well. And I like Jeff Saturday. You like Jeff Saturday? I mean, he's been I on know. this. You know, he's a regular on the show. Trust me,
2: I don't love ripping him, but how can you not? Did you see the stat yesterday going around Twitter about Jeff Saturday? No i credit Zach Hicks for this. Uh, does a great job kind of covering the Colts from, from afar. Locked on Colts. He is part of Horseshoe Huddle as well. Uh, the point differential in the Jeff Saturday era is negative 79. So that's negative 79 in seven games. Jake, if you look at the 32 teams in the NFL right now, that would be the fifth worst point differential in the league. Jeff Saturday has been coaching for seven games. The other teams have been playing... I guess 16 games. Right. Yeah, the Colts have the worst point differential in the NFL. And it, I don't know if that maybe resonates to the entire listening audience and what that means. That is a stat that Chris Ballard holds in very high regard. Chris Ballard looks at that stat and believes that's a true indicator of how good of a football team you are. Point differential, add up, obviously, your wins, add up your losses, the margins, and at the end of the year, see where you're at. Uh, no team. No team. Has a the worst one in the NFL than the Colts. And if you look at Jeff Saturdays himself, fifth worst in the league.
1: That's hard to do. It pains me to say it, but the reality is this. The reality is that when Jeff Saturday was brought in and there was a lot of question and almost ridicule from around the league about it, the selling point or the counter to that discussion was the fact that at the very least... He was a great motivator and leader that guys were going to buy into. And for the last five games, I've watched a team that looks like it has zero leadership. It looks like 50 yeah. guys going in 50 directions. They've gotten worse.
2: And I get it was a very awkward, awful situation, but they're not even sniffing what Frank Reich's Colts no, were doing. No. Uh, did Miles Turner sleep well last night, you think?
1: huh. <laughs> Philadelphia tonight in the city of brotherly love, right? That's kind of been his... Maybe did JMV sleep well last
2: night, predicting what his Twitter mentions could look like last night. I always feel this about the Embiid matchup with with the Pacers. Again, that is tonight, 7 o'clock, as Jake said, in Philly. Joel Embiid is an incredible talent. Incredible talent. My issue with Embiid against the Pacers over the years has been this. The Pacers have, haven't have even been able to hold him close to his average. Or even, you know, a little bit above average. Like, when he plays the Pacers, it is career nights for him. And that is my thing with Turner. Turner is a wonderful rim protector and kind of off-ball defender. But when you ask Turner to match up man-to-man with Joel Embiid, you might as well have Goga out there. Fair. I, Joel Embiid against the Pacers, Jake, in his career. Oh. 30 points per game, 12.6 rebounds. That is the most points or rebounds. That's the most he has had against any team in the Eastern Conference. He feasts against
1: Miles Turner and the Pacers. Joel Embiid is, and, and you are right. I mean, that is absolutely Miles Turner can't guard him. I mean, that's, but then again, no one can guard him, correct. Jake, but it's not
2: even, again, his averages. Like, he... It's his domination. It's, yeah, general. he just yeah. dominates yeah. And you would
1: like... I, personally, I would like to see better from Turner in this matchup. Yeah, it's... I'm telling you. And is just such a unicorn. I mean, his size alone... I, I, I've i watched him... He's I know, a freak. A half, it is unbelievable. I mean, he is literally the biggest human being I've ever seen. I it, And then... He's getting rebounds and and running the length of the floor. and I mean, it's just incredible. And I I, I get the fact that Webbyama is seven four and is doing you know guard like stuff, and that's why everybody is salivating over getting him with the number one pick. But he doesn't have the just the overall strength and sheer mass of Embiid. I, it's incredible, but can still move
2: extremely well. Yeah. Uh, Phillies one ten of twelve. When these two teams matched up earlier in the season, the guy that started at center for the Pacers, Jake, he's now in Fort Wayne. Isaiah Jackson to Fort Wayne for a couple of games, so he will not be even in Philly tonight. Uh, I think Fort Wayne's got a back-to-back, so Wednesday and Thursday. That is where Isaiah Jackson is. Um, yeah, he's
1: regressed for sure, seemingly. I mean, I,
2: I understand what the Pacers have done here. They, they've gone smaller. Jalen Smith is... Transition from the starting four next to Miles Turner to the backup five, and really O'Shea Brissett and I guess Aaron Neesmith are kind of the power forwards. Yeah. If you want to label everybody in a position, uh, it, it is disappointing to me, Jake, because you know I, I I've always been intrigued by Jackson. I know you certainly have been really really intrigued by him, uh, but when you look at him or even Goga, it, it just It's come to a point in time where it's like, holy hell, if you can't re-sign Turner, what in the world are you going to do with your
1: starting five? Well, at some point with those guys, you look at them and you say, it is incredible the athleticism they have at their height and their size, but maybe not Goga as much, but certainly Isaiah Jackson, his ability to play above the rim, but at the same time, he still has to be a basketball player. He still has right. to understand mm-hmm. switches yeah, yeah, yeah. defensively in basketball. He still has to understand. This is game. not a decathlon. Correct. Mid-range game, things like that. I mean, and I think that's what they're waiting on yeah. and expecting, right? Uh, tell me, you guys saw the Colts news yesterday in regards to Sunday at 1 o'clock. The fact that they moved the, or that they announced the start time on Sunday at 1,
3: one o'clock? 1
2: o'clock CBS. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know, I know where you're going.
2: Do I need to say anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I told, I, I said last
3: week this go is going to be the Spiro. I mean, did. Mark did predict
2: it. Does anything scream Spiro Didis more than Colts and Texans at one o'clock to close out the season? The anything? Cherry, the
3: cherry on top of the cow pie that is the 2022 Colts season.
2: If Jim Irsay needs to be pushed over the ledge a little bit, just to say, boy, what sums up the year? Spiro calling your game to end it, I think, does that for you. Spiro Didis and Jay Feely. for those that are going to watch on Sunday, and will not be tuning in, um, or not, I should well, say, well, well, I mean, it nationwide, that's got to, is it, 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 it is his less,
1: ability or is it the fact that of what he represents?
2: That, it, it, it's less really to do with him as an announcer, it's more to do with, dear Lord, this dude just is the AFC South broadcaster. Every week, it's Colts and, tech, or Colts and Texans. Can Colts we get him Josh. on the show so that you can mock Spira, him? Well, again, it, it, it's less to do with him as a human and more to do with just the melancholy nature of
1: AFC South Where do you football? believe he went to college? Spiro what where do you think he grew up and went to no, college? No, Syracuse. In? Think so? I mean, that's a 50-50 guess, right? <laughs> that's probably right. That or Missouri, right?
3: When they do the national map of like what what areas are going to imagine? Colts, Texans, has got to be like, in houston and indianapolis right no one else is yeah it's going to be like
2: 465 and whatever the 465 is in houston that, that that's where the map will be if anyone drawn. else gets that game on sunday apologies great prediction there by you mark
1: i didn't realize that spiro Ditas was the one that was involved in the jeremy lynn controversy do you remember that yeah i do i, I mean not to like re- i'm not going to recite it on air but i didn't realize that I, i'm not certain that did he did he go to college Boy, thanks. I thought we... Oh, w- Fordham.
2: He went to Fordham University. No, it's close to Syracuse, right? Yeah. Um, Quinn Buckner popping champagne. No more undefeateds in college basketball? Oh, did New Mexico
4: go down?
2: They went down at Fresno last night. So, the final undefeated after Purdue lost earlier in the week. No more.
1: January 4th. Isn't that kind of early? That is, man. That is. Usually it goes well. In, I mean, lately it's been... Think about Wichita State and certainly Gonzaga. I mean, Kentucky a couple years ago. I mean, usually it goes well into February or March, right? Well into it. Uh, we'll get you caught up on everything that happened in the world of sports and continue the conversation, notably about, I, I do think the Colts, it's not probably not too early to start thinking about who the coach and the candidates might be. We'll get into that later in the program as well. Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 o'clock. About 10 minutes from now, by the way, uh, the guy that you guys probably – Wish he'd taken the day off in October, right? Oh, that's harsh.
2: That is so, so harsh. Uh, now, right.
1: what is his first name? Uh, that'd be Dr. Benjamin
2: Mottman. Benjamin, okay. I'm just so used to Mottman. <laughs> now, he's coming on to talk Lions, right, in the big game that's Sunday right. night? That's okay. right.
3: He Primarily Lions, yep. Okay. Got it. <clears throat> we need to will them to victory.
2: We don't want the Packers
3: in there. Do Boy, we? Marcus.
1: Oh, look at that. Okay, we'll lead with Lions, right?
3: All Please. about this. But we've got some And what the hell's going on with his Pistons? Well? Yeah, yeah I was going to say,
1: one. you know, I know Cade Cunningham's <laughs> out, but let's talk Jaden Ivey here. Okay, we'll do all of that uh, coming up. It's Kevin and Quarry on a Wednesday, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
5: Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: We don't have a ton of new updates in the DeMar Hamlin front. His uncle did meet with uh, – Dorian Glenn his uncle's name. He did meet with NFL Network yesterday, uh, mentioned that his nephew, um, in terms of being on the oxygen, has gone down from 100% to about 50% still sedated. But main focus is recovering to breathe on his own um, and healing those lungs. Here was his uncle again, Dorian Glenn, uh, yesterday with NFL Network.
4: What do you think the thing DeMar will say when he wakes up and sees – how everything has interacted over the last twenty four hours. Man, my nephew's so humble. He, he's gonna truly be floored. Like he's he's gonna be floored. He's gonna be in disbelief. But I mean he shows so much love and he shows so much care and compassion so it should reciprocate you know back to him because he's a genuine guy, positive guy I mean you know he comes from a distressed neighborhood like we come from you could choose to be a negative impact or you could be a positive impact and my nephew is like a positive impact all the time from his toy drive to um, his coaching clinics he comes back and do to his giveaways I mean he's always coming through and trying to be a positive impact for the kids and that type of influence that you can have I hope he creates 10 more to Hamlins that can come out and be inspirational to the generations behind them. So, I'm truly here. He's still here, able to fight. We're
1: going to talk to Dr. Mottman coming up in just a couple minutes. He might be able to clarify kind of what some of that stuff, like the oxygen levels, uh, what all of that means, but obviously continued good thoughts for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, college basketball last night. Ball State, 90-83 winners over Toledo. That's six straight now for Michael Lewis's guys. Jeron Coleman had 26. Ball State now 1-0. That was the first game in the MAC for them. It was... Boston College, 70-63 to 63 over Notre Dame. <laughs> Just had to... Want to rant it. a little
2: bit, Kev? Yeah, fire Mike Bray. Hire, I, I told Mark last night, you can hire Dane five, hire Tom Creek hire Nate Nate Bjorkren. Irish 0-4. The togetherness, the right, right, Mark? AACC. Readiness
3: and togetherness. You didn't come over, Jake. Uh, what's that? Oh, you yeah. didn't come over. Well,
1: I knew what was going to happen in the game. I didn't want to make things even worse for you. Uh, <laughs> Indiana at Iowa tomorrow night. Trace Jackson Davis has been dealing with a lower back injury, but... Uh, yesterday, Mike Woodson kind of gave an update as to practice for Trace Jackson Davis and his possible availability against the Hawkeyes.
6: Yesterday uh, was really the first time he's had some contact, and uh, I thought he looked pretty good. But I won't know the extent of it until I, you know, I get down there in the training room today and and just see how he feels physically. But you know, he's been doing some things on the floor, but not a lot of contact. And the day yesterday, we. We had a lot of contact yesterday and uh, today we'll have a lot of contact. We'll scrimmage today and and just kind of see where he is, you know, providing that, you know, he's feeling good about yesterday's practice.
2: That's nine o'clock tomorrow night from Iowa City. Purdue is at Ohio State tomorrow at seven. Tonight, you've got Hinkle uh butler nine o'clock hosting de paul there there's seven and a half
1: point and we'll get into the pacers and sixers which is tonight out in the city of brotherly love when we come back a little bit more insight perhaps into what exactly inside an emergency room takes place in a situation like we had with damar hamlin and what may be going on now obviously we don't know the specifics of that case but uh dr benjamin mottman the fighting mopman of the Detroit Lions fame. Mm-hmm. Kneecaps. Kneecaps. Yep. <laughs> that's right. And also, my cardiologist uh, joins us next.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: It's Kevin and Query on a Wednesday.
2: Ah, the Lions fight song, of course. course. No better way to bring in our next guest. That's the, you think the, how many cardiologists in the world do you think are brought in by an NFL fight song like about, that, let alone the Detroit how Lions? Sometimes
1: that song aired off of Thanksgiving Day.
7: I'm just Anywhere. picturing
2: Dan Campbell in the postgame locker room <laughs> singing that on a table. Uh, um, he is the one and only. You've obviously heard about him a lot on this show, and in all seriousness, without him, we probably I don't have the show. He is Dr. Benjamin Mottman, and he joins us right now to, I think, inform us a little bit more on the situation with Tamar Hamlin, and honestly, probably some stuff that just us as common folk can know about um, this entire situation. Dr. Mottman, good morning, good luck to your Lions this weekend, and thank you in all seriousness uh, for the time.
7: Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin and Jake. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate that theme music coming in.
1: (laughs) Did you? Were you aware of a Lions fight song? By the way.
7: Oh yeah. I'll play it every day. Kidding me? That's his ringtone, right? Fires him up every (laughs) morning, right?
1: One hundred percent. Hey, Doctor Motman, let's begin with this, and and I want to be clear here you know, obviously when it comes to medicine, you know, we don't know. And so it would be unfair to ask you specifics about the situation with Demar Hamlin, because you're not working that particular patient. Right. But to speak kind of generically about it, I, I think a lot of people in the last day or so have heard about, and, and I don't even know if I'm going to say it right. I know that'll stun you. Commodio Cordis, if I'm saying that correctly, but While we don't know for certain that that's what happened with Hamlin, we do know that there is this freak occurrence that can happen with trauma to the chest that causes a cardiac arrest. Can can you kind of explain, like I'm a third grader, exactly what happens in those situations?
7: Absolutely. I think, you know, first off, you have to say thoughts are with the player with his friends and family. This is clearly going to be the worst couple days for all of them. There's a lot of stress around this, a lot of uncertainty. So definitely my thoughts go out to his family, uh, his friends, the medical staff taking care of him. Um, Anything that's said about him right now is clearly speculative. It's uncertain exactly what happened. There's multiple things that could have contributed and he will be evaluated for all these. He'll get a battery of tests while he's in the hospital. There's different underlying structural heart disease, electrical abnormalities, non-cardiac conditions that could contribute. He'll have to be evaluated for all of that. Is it it safe to say that,
1: and I I hate to say this, but are there things, Dr. Mottman, that like through the NFL Combine, you know, they do obviously pretty extensive look over of all prospects and players, um, but are there things that cardiovascularly can occur to someone that that were not previously detectable. Does that make sense?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So, commotio cord is the, the headline that's going on around right now is something that happens in someone without a predisposing factor with a structurally normal heart. So, when they do the NFL combine, when they get these baseline ECGs, this would not be detected. This would not be a red flag going forward. And
1: so, that basically is just you know what exactly happens there just there's a there's a contact to the heart that suddenly like jolts the heart to stop i mean is that
7: yeah exactly so commotio cordis it's latin for disruption of the heart and i think the main reason it's being discussed uh which is appropriate is that he had a clear impact right before his cardiac arrest so it's a little bit different than the other times where you've seen a basketball player running back to half court or a soccer player sprinting down the field and then go down without any impact.
2: Dr. Momin, we're about 36 hours away from what transpired on the field on Monday night. What are these times like right now? You hear his uncle say yesterday, the oxygen level has gone from 100% down to about 50% in terms of reliance on the ventilator. What exactly is going on right now? I think you mentioned these are some kind of critical times. Um, Could you kind of take us inside of what, what you'd assume is going on?
7: Yeah, so so briefly going back to commotio cordis, so basically it's bad luck and bad timing. It's a direct blow to the anterior chest. If you look at a textbook, it's typically a 13- or 15-year-old adolescent male that has not developed their chest wall. So that direct impact can get through to the heart muscle. And the way that the heart works is there's an electricity cycle. The heart depolarizes and the muscle contracts. And then it repolarizes and resets. And there's a very brief window, a vulnerable period, where if there's an electrical jolt at that exact time, 10 to 30 milliseconds in that vulnerable period, the heart can go into ventricular fibrillation and cardiac output stops. So that's more that. That's a freak accident, but it can happen in a structurally normal heart, just horrible timing with a precise impact at the precise time. What's probably going on now is that he's had this, cardiac arrest. He's been resuscitated. And now this is the crucial 24 to 72 hours where you let the dust settle and see what else is going on with the body. He's potentially being treated with targeted temperature treatment to protect his neurologic function. And you rest the body, slow down the metabolism to the brain to preserve brain function. And then it's trying to see are there other complications coming up uh, throughout his hospital course. So It's a a time that requires a lot of patience, a lot of time for the dust to settle, but it's incredibly stressful for uh, friends and family.
2: So would it be fair to say maybe the bigger concern right now is what's going on neurologically and less heart?
7: Absolutely. If he's stable hemodynamically, if his blood pressure and heart rate are stable, then the whole focus goes on to what is his neurologic function long term, and that takes time to sort out.
1: Dr. Benjamin Mottman is our guest. He's a cardiological interventionist at Community Heart Vascular Hospital. Um, talking about like just freak timing and circumstance, I was the luckiest guy on the planet that he was working on October twentieth of uh, two thousand twenty, um, and didn't take a dinner break. That that would have sucked. But um, Dr. Mottman, when we look at and you had mentioned like with younger people that you know could be susceptible. To these kinds of things because the heart hasn't fully developed i guess a two-part question the first would be at what age has fully the heart developed and all of the protection around it that usually happens for someone around what age of life
7: yeah so it's more so the chest wall developing so the the, the bones in the muscular system uh and they say that 13 to 15 year old male who's playing impact sports is the vulnerable person um once that chest wall that what's that musculoskeletal system has developed and that protects the heart more so by 18 so so not necessarily heart function but more so the chest wall
1: right okay so so with that uh just with youth sports in general have you started to see more of you know we hear people talk about defibrillators and cpr i I was curious and i thought to myself gosh maybe everybody should be taught cpr where does somebody go to learn that kind of thing Uh, You know, defibrillators, how long have those been around and what exactly do those do in terms of being preventative in case this happens on your local soccer, baseball, football field?
7: Yeah, no, it's a a great point because this is a freak accident. Uh, This is not something that someone's predisposed to, so it's good for everyone to have knowledge about CPR. And basically, if this happens, if this is what happened and someone goes into ventricular fibrillation, their cardiac output is zero. So you have to maintain their cardiac output by adequate and early CPR to get perfusion back to the brain. And then, so that treats the mechanical process going on, pumping the blood. You gotta reset the electricity of the heart and the only way to do that is with an AED or automated external defibrillator. I, I think everyone involved in child sports should have some knowledge of CPR. Um, looking at resources this morning, at, there's CPR.heart.org Where you can type in your zip code and try to find some places that have classes for general population a lot of the classes that came up were at ymcas and fire stations Uh, there's redcross.org with a training tab that you can go to and then if that's too tough even just youtube is a phenomenal thing you can youtube cpr get some basics on that
1: and dr mottman when this situation arises the reality is that, the, you know, questions come from every angle, right? People start speculating about a, a million different things. I guess that the question that I would have for you is when you see, you know, or is it possible, I guess, when you see 10 different patients that come into the community heart vascular hospital under cardiac distress, is it possible that there are 10 different causes in 10 different cases? I mean, is, is cardiology still kind of, are there aspects of it where it's still the last frontier?
7: Yeah, so a cardiac arrest, it typically, you go down your triage algorithm, what's gonna, what is gonna, is the most dangerous thing that you have to immediately correct? Is it a heart rhythm issue? Is it a heart pump issue? Is it a blood flow to the heart from a heart attack issue? And there's certain things that you cannot delay, so you always recognize those first, you know, blood clots in the lungs, things like that, that emergency room physicians are trained for. You rule those out, and then you have the dust settle for a couple days, and then you do additional testing down the road to try to recognize it. But there's multiple things that can cause cardiac arrest.
2: Dr. Motman, last one for me, and appreciate the kind of, as the general public, what can we do when we're at an event that, you know, obviously does not have the medical staff on site like an NFL game does. Um, Just from a heart check standpoint, you know, I'm sitting here at 33 years old. And I'm sitting, sitting here thinking to myself, "Gosh, do I need to start doing this on a on, on a on a somewhat frequent basis?" You know, at, at what age, and I guess what steps can people take to, um, you know, try and get ahead of things, if at all possible, from a heart check standpoint.
7: So, certainly, the best medicine is preventative medicine. So, maintaining a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. The recommendation is 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise per week. You can break it down however you want. 50 minutes three days a week 40 minutes four days a week just get to that 150 minutes fast walking um, elliptical lightweight training things like that and then have a primary care doctor someone that can check your cholesterol panel on occasion make sure you don't have any predisposing risk factors for coronary disease
1: uh mark you had
3: a question about the game this weekend right your lines are going to be the packers right we don't want the packers getting
7: in the playoffs the Lions will beat the Packers. Boy, that's bold. That, that is definitive. What I don't know is what Seattle versus uh, Rams. What will happen in that game?
2: I was going to say you might need to sing the Rams fight song earlier in the day, right, <laughs> exactly. to make sure that
7: your Lions are still playing for something. We need Matthew Stafford to come back and help us out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nothing like Baker Mayfield right here for Dr. Motman. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. So again, number of places. I think that the two important things here. Doc, if you will, number one is probably it's never a bad idea for anybody to take CPR and just learn it because you never know. I mean, you could be at the mall where somebody needs CPR, and there are a number of resources where you can find that information, and then also 150 minutes of cardio a week, you said, right? Absolutely. All right. Um, All right, well, we appreciate it, and as you know, I, I am always grateful for the fact that I text you well about 150 minutes per week actually and you usually respond so it's
7: it's very much appreciated
2: i've been praying for you dr Motman.
7: <laughs> yeah i forgot to tell you i'm switching my cell phone next week all right <laughs> no. uh, thank you guys much appreciated go lions
1: <laughs> dr benjamin Motman, cardiological interventionist at the community heart vascular hospital on the northeast side of indianapolis
2: uh, redcross.org i mean like you said you know fire stations around town but i know that there's a lot of people out there that will look at that and say it's a little bit of a too much of a taxing process to do that so fire up youtube from a cpr standpoint and um see if you can have some understanding for if it when those events do arise and again you don't have the medical staff on site for that potentially you can help out
1: and save a life uh the lions have to beat the packers and then what the the Seahawks have to lose, right? Correct. And right. that
2: is a four twenty-five
3: game Rams I mean, and Seahawks. Really weird flex that the NFL did that, that they didn't have those games simultaneously.
2: Yeah, but I mean, gosh, Titans Jags, are you gonna
3: put that on Sunday night? Well, that's at least like there's no you know, you, there's no other aspect to it. It's either win or go home. Whereas the Lions could be eliminated by Sunday
2: night if the But if the, the Packers still have to win. win. And I think that's the appeal, right? Of like Lambo Sunday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers has got to win this football game to get in the playoffs. No can, thanks.
1: Can you play that Lions fight song again? That's oh. kind of fun, isn't it? Was yeah. that Orlovsky that you just did? <laughs> yeah,
3: <that's what laughs> yeah, kind of. The Detroit Lions fight song. I was at a Lions Bears game in Ford Field, and a guy comes out and sings that song every time they score a touchdown, which isn't very often. I was going to say we got to get Motman to do he that, does, that. He at doesn't some know point. the
1: lyrics yet, right? right. <laughs> On, I'm picturing
2: Dan Campbell at the first team meeting in training camp saying, we all need to memorize this fight you
1: song. You know what? Are we mocked. We're down the field. Alliance team that will not yield. They will not yield. And when the blue and silver wave, you, you stand and... That- like 1948 yeah I was going to say yeah. we'll <laughs> honor <you. We'll> <laughs> uh, before the Ford family owned Nothing the Lions the so the now do we want the to know the, um, the Colts draft scenarios for the week
2: yes I mean I find that to be very pertinent right now uh, the Colts could draft anywhere from three to six okay currently they're slotted fifth to get the number three pick you would need a Colts loss to the Texans. And you would need wins by the Cardinals and Broncos. The Cardinals are playing the 49ers. The Broncos are playing the Chargers. Sorry, so you need... Say this again. Okay. So to get the third pick, okay. you need a Colts loss to the Texans. And you would need the Cardinals to beat the 49ers. The Broncos to beat the Chargers. I don't think either of those teams are playing for like an absurd amount of, of home field. So we'll see how they're the resting goes for the 49ers and or chargers to get the fourth pick. You need a Colts loss and one of those two teams to win. So either the Cardinals or the Broncos to win their game. Uh, The only way the Colts can fall to the sixth pick, which is not what Dr. Mottman wants, unfortunately, uh, they need the Colts. um, If the Colts beat the Texans and the Rams lose to the Seahawks, the Colts would fall to the sixth pick. So with the win, you can only fall one
1: spot. Any other result that they draft fifth. Do you think there's the possibility, Kevin? Do the Colts have any surplus of by surplus, I mean, do they have additional from past moves? Cuz I know Ballard, you know, loves draft picks. Do they have additional second or third round picks?
2: No. They traded their third round pick for Nick Cross last April. Uh, they do have a third rounder this year. That's the Carson Wentz trade, um, which right now I want to say that pick is like about ten spots behind where their own third round pick would be. So they were going to draft, you know, fifth overall in the third round. Uh, with Washington's record being better than Indianapolis, that pick moves back ten spots. Say, so no additional second, no additional third, no additional fourth, just normal draft picks. So if
1: you're drafting, those rounds. if you're drafting fifth. And you want to move up to Chicago's second spot. What would Chicago require to fall back three spots? Boy,
2: I would say your second and your third.
1: Or your future first. first. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, you're the Bears guy. What would you want?
3: From the Colts? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's all draft picks at this point. So, yeah. I'd, Second and third in 2023, swapping, Mark? Swapping, or do you want the 2024
2: first rounder? I'd
3: say you're swapping first round picks for sure. I mean, because I, there's a whole breakdown of like how much value is if each draft pick. So, I would say I guess it you're depends swapping on, first round picks. It probably depends on what other people are offering you, right? Right. Like, if the Raiders come in and they're offering you like, their first-round pick in Devontae Adams. I'm sorry. I'm taking the Raiders right there.
2: And, and that's the thing about the Bears, where they are potentially in such a golden situation. If, it, if this draft is now looked at, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are the class of the quarterbacks, and you have got to get to that level if you want one of the two elite guys... Houston takes one of them at one. The other one's sitting there at two. Chicago can just say, all right, call us. Mm-hmm. Call us until 8 o'clock on April 29th, yep. whenever the draft starts, and they're going to get a King's Ransom for that number 2 overall pick. Oh, and, I, I, and I do think it's worth pointing out, we'll see how the Bears view. Will Anderson from Alabama, uh, the defensive end who's been heralded for several years. Um, he seems to be kind of the the defender. I know some people... Have pointed to Jalen Carter from Georgia, who did not have a great semifinal game, uh, but that's the beauty of the position Chicago is in currently. And for what it's worth, Chicago can still get the number one pick, right, Mark? Yep, yep. Pretty
3: much, I think the Texans have to beat the Colts and the Bears have to lose to the Vikings. And that's
2: about it. Did you guys see the Vegas line on Colts Texans? Spiroditas on the call,
1: by the way, in case
8: you <laughs> missed that.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say, actually, you know what? I did see this. The the Colts were given the lower probability of win, but they're like a four-point favorite. Right? Something like that? Any guesses, Mark?
3: Yeah, I want to say the Colts are like, I'll say four and a half.
2: Two and a half for the Colts. Ooh. Two and a half point favorite over the Houston Texans. Well, he's going to get those guys to play, I'm telling you. Let's talk more
3: about
0: this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Stephen Holder gonna join us next here. Kevin Aquari. On a Wednesday, we are halfway through the week. Our next guest is probably not totally disappointed that the Colts are now like 90% the way through the year because it has been one for the books, no question. But he joins us each and every week, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com, and um, Stephen, we'll begin with this, heading into this game against Houston, you know, there are so many different ways to look at the way this game could unfold, and I don't mean the game itself, I don't think anybody's overly worried with what the result's going to be, except for, for the draft stat, the draft position, right, but... Um, do you notice kind of a different tenor in the locker room of guys when some are playing to solidify themselves, some are tr- trying to put the pieces on a final contract? I mean, I, how, how does a team handle it differently than when everybody's playing for the same thing, which is like a,
9: a playoff push, if you will? Yeah, I I really think in recent weeks, and I don't know, I don't know if this specifically answers your question, but I, I will tell you this. and recent weeks i noticed kind of a difference uh in this team and and that difference was i think the results started mattering a little less you know what i mean like you just didn't feel like there was anything at stake for them it's not anything anybody said it's not anything anyone did it's just a it's a vibe the vibe that you get when you're in the locker room every day. I know what it feels like. I've been in locker rooms for 20 years, you know? So you, you know what it feels like when a team feels like they they have something at stake and this has not felt that way for a very long time. I would argue, okay? I would argue that it hasn't felt that way since Frank Reich was fired. Which is why I will continue to argue that that had the opposite effect. Them was intended <laughs> frankly it just didn't it didn't really spur anything it it it, it sent a message that wow we suck <laughs> so anyway I I don't know if that answers the question but I I just haven't felt like this team was playing for anything meaningful for a very long time and I, I thought the effort was still okay until the last couple of weeks I think the effort has waned but but, yeah, this, it just didn't feel like there was anything at stake for them. And, you know, maybe maybe they knew that they just weren't good enough. I don't know.
2: Steven, I've been saying for probably about a month now, the season for me has kind of transpired from most disappointing in the Ursay ownership era, which is about 25 years, to the most embarrassing. Um, yeah. And now it's these weekly embarrassments, particularly in, throughout December, that we're seeing. And, and, frankly, no unit defines that more than the offense. And the offense stinks, but it's coming, like, a little bit more into the forefront, Stephen, of, like, this is a historically bad NFL offense. Not just, like, Colts franchise bad. If you look at recent NFL seasons, this is one of the worst offenses you will find. And now I sit here and think... Is it more, is all of it personnel related? Like, again, I'm trying to like place pieces of the pie in where the blame is, and I come down to it and think, outside of maybe running back, I don't look at any of the position groups and think they're even close to an average unit in the NFL.
9: Yeah, you know, it's funny because there have been a lot of bad quarterbacks on a lot of teams, right? And, and so, so I say that because they haven't gotten very good quarterback play, right? And, and that's been a constant throughout. But I think it's still really hard to pin it all on that, which is, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you is what I'm saying, because it's really easy and, and, and neat and kind of convenient, right, to just say, well, I mean, they need a quarterback upgrade. and no, no, it'll be fine. But we said that before. <laughs> right, I mean, as I was tweeting this the other day, telling people like, "Don't keep making the same mistake, man. Like, you got to learn from this as a fan, and hopefully the Colts do as a team, as a as a leadership of of the leadership of that team. You have to learn from this, and I think the lesson right now is it's it's a lot of things. It isn't just the quarterback. It isn't just oh, we fire the coach, man. Nah, it, if it was that simple, okay, we wouldn't be seeing what we are seeing." I'm not saying they would be winning, but it's like you said. I mean, this is absolutely, this is humiliation on a weekly basis. A complete and utter humiliation. It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Not, it's the worst I've seen. I, you've been here a lot longer than me. This is my 10th season, but I, this, is a, this is a low point I never thought I'd see this franchise at. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just they just don't do this. 2011 happened, I get that but we understood what happened Yeah, preseason
2: expectations were different
9: yeah, I, this is a low point I I really had a hard time ever envisioning for the Colts as a franchise I agree with you, just this, this, to make the point again, historically bad offense and not something you just fix by plugging in a quarterback at, at this point
2: as best you can walk us through your expectations post game on Sunday um final gun goes off around four o'clock we know that frank reich's fired so we know that over the next few weeks they'll have a head coaching search do you expect to hear from jim ursay post game um technically chris ballard's under contract so it's not like you need to make any announcement on the general manager front if you're keeping him if you're firing him of course you have to but if you're keeping him you don't need to say anything publicly um I guess. Do you expect to hear from Ursay? When do we expect to hear from Ballard? What, just what are your thoughts? Sunday four o'clock. The rest of
9: next week. That's. It's hard to say. I really don't know. It's. It's kind of a. It's. It's a little bit uncharted territory, because normally when a coach is fired after the season, you know, you get the whole Black Monday press conference. The owner comes out and he says, you know, thanks him, thanks the coach for for all of his. Efforts and talks about what they want in, in the new coach and, and where they're going as an organization. You know, you get all those tidy little uh, explanations. But this is different, right? We, as you said, we already know there's going to be a coaching search. You have Jeff Saturday, who I, I think for all intents and purposes, I, I absolutely expect to be part of the coaching search. So we don't need to clarify that. We already know that. Um but I, I i it's like you said, there is no necessarily a um, a need or an expectation of Jim Mercy coming out and talking. I wish he would because we have lots of questions right like tons of questions uh chris Ballard, I would say this you are required as an organization the uh, the the General manager or chief decision maker is required to talk at some point after the season, so I anticipate hearing from him. It may not be immediate. I was going to so say, people, typically
2: that's what, like yeah. late next week. I feel like he, he yeah, usually we, waits a few days.
9: Yeah, so so that won't happen immediately. I think we also are. I think I believe Jeff Saturday. He's the coach. I believe he's required to to do a press conference the following day as well. So that's going to be an awkward dance there. So it's going to be a lot of awkward questions and awkward dances. And that's why I think the argument is very strong for the owner to come out and talk because a lot of these questions have to be asked of him.
1: I think awkward questions is the perfect segue to allow me to speak because I have exactly one of those, Stephen. I know that's shocking. That's, to
9: that's you. like your wheelhouse. <laughs> <man>. Yeah,
1: the <laughs> years change and yet they all stay the same. Um, <laughs> f- follow me here on this reverse psychology. When when Jim Mersey named Jeff Saturday the interim coach, there was a ton of backlash. Uh, probably, I think to the point of surprising Jim Mersey. Truthfully, yeah, and. It has not gone well. I, I mean it has not gone to the level that Jim Merce was able to prove people wrong. Does that actually in an odd way increase the possibility that Jim Mersey doubles down and considers Jeff Saturday long term?
9: No, it's not reverse psychology. Actually it's it's kind of a legit question. Not that I <laughs> want to encourage you to ask, you know, reverse psychology questions. <laughs> but uh, there's no encouragement needed, Stephen. <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. Uh, look, I I will tell you this. I see a very headstrong individual right now when I look at Jim Mercer. And I see, I see a guy who has made moves that he felt conviction about. And the opinions of others have not mattered very much. Okay, I mean, uh, and that goes back even to Carson Wentz. I'm not saying that no one wanted to move on from Carson Wentz. That's not true. But I, it was not necessarily like the, the slam dunk decision, right? I mean, it was a little complex, but it was never complex for Jim Mercy. It was like, this guy's got to go, period. And and that's fine. I, I, don't, I didn't have any big issue with it at the time. I mean, I understood the... the the issues there, right? I understood. But, but my point was, or my point is, uh, this has been how he has operated really now, you know, for almost a year. Um, he has been very, very uh, determined, you know, to do what he feels is, is correct in his estimation. And I think, you know, to your point, Jake, I, I don't know that he does it out of spite necessarily and says, oh, well, I'll show them. But he's just been very much um, willing and has had a track record in the past year of acting on his, uh, I don't know if impulse is the right word, but his convictions. Let's put it that way. And and that's where I think the, the possibility of just Saturday returning is actually very real.
2: He's Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts and Texans, mercifully, the season will come to a close Sunday at 1 o'clock. Stephen, I guess I'll start here. Where has this team improved under Jeff Saturday? And with your answer, does that say more about Jeff Saturday or more about Chris Ballard?
9: Hmm. I would say... uh, I think the offensive line has gelled a little bit and that may be as much a product of of having a a consistent five member unit than necessarily Jeff Saturday working some kind of magic right Uh, I I don't I don't know that he could obviously that's his that's his area of expertise that's true but he still has never coached offensive line right I mean that's that's a hard thing to do on the fly and and have a, a and make a significant difference. I, I I mean he gets credit because he gets some credit because he's the head coach right now. But I, I hesitate to say this is all because of Jeff Saturday. I mean I, I I can't say that you know what I mean. Like I don't have anything that that indicates that. Uh, but I give them credit, right? I think they played a little better. It hasn't been good enough. Okay, let's be clear, It has not been good enough. But it's been a little better. I've seen some progress there. Uh, but, again, that is, I think, a result of continuity. Uh, Bernard Raymond has hung in there. He's He's got a long way to go, long way to go at left tackle, but he's hung in there. And I think just leaving him at one spot, I'll give Jeff Saturday for credit for that, for leaving guys where they are and, and letting that unit mesh. And that has helped a little bit, I do think. Uh, beyond that, it, it just I haven't seen any real improvement anywhere. In fact, I feel like the defense of late has taken a step back, that is probably because of what we're seeing on offense. I think this defense is tired, and I'm not saying they quit, but, I mean, can you imagine the mental toll of going out there and take, you know, being DeForest Buckner or Zaire Franklin and the years that these guys have had, and they have nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing. In fact, as Zaire Franklin has pointed out, you know, you're a punchline. And and you played the best football of your life in his case, and in in some cases with other guys too, and and that's where you are in spite of that. So, you know, I think the defense ran out of gas, frankly, and I think I saw that on Sunday. Uh, they don't have anything left over there, um, and and they're they're ready to be done. <laughs> Can we just say what it is? They're ready to be done. So yeah, there hasn't been much improvement. I mean, I'm not piling on Jeff Saturday. I'm looking for it. I would love to be able to say I see improvement here, here, and here. But where? I don't see it. I just do not see it. Steven,
1: at the end of the year, which this year obviously comes earlier than many expected, in the media, you know, you know. I mean, you go in and, and players, I always get a kick out of it because players clean out their locker usually with trash bags. I'm like, these guys are millionaires. They're using trash bags to Although,
9: take everything home. Although, totally appropriate this year. Yeah, you, no, anyway. no question. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that is true. Um, so here is my question for you, Steven Holder. Let's just say hypothetically... That you were a real estate agent in the city of Indianapolis, and the Colts allowed you to come in and place your business card in four lockers. You get to pick four players. The rule is, though, it has to be a player who is under contract for next year, but you still get to place your business card in there because you got a suspicion they might be looking to move because they realize they're not going to be in Indianapolis next year. What four lockers
9: are you placing your business card? This is this is a good question. Uh, I actually, I'm starting with DeForest Buckner. Not because he is a bad player, but because he's a very good player. And frankly, if you're him, I think there's, there's an argument that you may want to be somewhere else. The other side of that coin is he has a lot of value. And, and if you're going to reset things as an organization, I have no idea what what their intentions are with him. But if you if you have any inkling that you may want to hit the reset button, you need assets to do that. And you can get a lot of assets with a player like DeForest Buckner. So he's still got a couple years left on that deal, I believe. So, you know, he would potentially be very appealing to another team. Uh, so you can get something for him. So And and by the way, I mean, you know, I want to sell his house, right? I mean, yeah would no be amazing. So um, beyond him, uh, let's see, I... I, I think they're higher on Ryan Kelly than people think, but but Ryan Kelly at at, at his salary level and production, uh, I think he's I think his future is in question. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to say anything stronger than that because I can't. But but I think there's some questions there. Um, let's see. Beyond that, um, this is tough. Let's see. I got to say Shaq too complicated with the injury. Well, I I mean really the contract think that he I really think that his future is a huge question mark. But but I don't think you can trade him right now. Right. So you can't get any value there just because who's going to trade for him until you know a little more. Um so I do think that one's too complicated, but that is but believe me, that is one of the biggest storylines going forward. We haven't even talked about Shaq, right? But like he's one of the biggest storylines What is he? Where is he? And and what's the outlook? We don't know the answer to any of those things. We need answers. We will, I believe, and I hope, hear from him next week. uh, So stay tuned for that. Um, um, I guess I'm struggling the last two, but I mean, you're not going to go by the quarterback room and drop him. Well, well, yeah, but but I mean, yeah, it's true. Matt Ryan, yeah, but he's under contract. But like, come on, (laughs) right? Nick Foles. I guess I am. I guess I am.
2: And I won both of their houses, by the way.
9: Yeah, you're right. Bulls is under contract. I forgot about that. I totally forgot. Because, you know, I think in my mind, like a lot of people, you're thinking, okay, well, those guys aren't going to be here.
2: They're already gone. <laughs>
9: yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Which is, yeah, But as a realtor, yeah, I want to sell those houses, yes. <laughs>
2: um, Stephen, Mark asked this question in the YouTube chat, and I think it's worth pointing out. He goes, if Chris Bauer talks to the media next week, does that mean he's returning? Um, I, I would say... No, for these reasons, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Ryan Grigson hold his season-ending press conference and then get fired like three weeks later?
9: Right. So, j and and I were talking about this the other night. That was one of those situations where he got fired several weeks after the season. Yeah, it was like, like mid to late January. Yeah, like, he probably thought he was fine, okay? Because I remember having to hustle and buy a ticket to Mobile to go to the Senior Bowl because they had a g- general manager search all of a sudden. So, yeah, it was it was certainly several weeks after the season, I think about three weeks. Uh, so, no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean anything that Chris Ballard uh, speaks to the media. I, I think you have to take Jim Marcy at his word. I mean, he seems very convinced and and very headstrong, to use that word again that Chris Ballard is his guy. I actually believe him. For better or worse, whether you agree or disagree, I actually believe him. I'm taking him at his word that, that Chris Ballard is his guy. Can he change his mind, though, If depending on who they hire as head coach and and what the expectations of that person might be? I don't know where the whole J- Jim Harbaugh thing stands and how real that is, but certainly you know, I've heard his name rumored from people in the organization, just like a lot of people have. And would jim harbaugh have a different um expectation for the power struggle power structure perhaps perhaps and that could affect things but i do think as we sit here today yeah i i think he truly he being jim mercy truly intends for chris Powell to be his general manager
2: okay and on that note last one for me then and again Stephen holder espn.com with us um so you believe that Again, predicting Jim Say just sounds like a crazy idea, but here we are doing it. Uh, that Chris Ballard will be back, and what would you throw a percentage on Jeff Saturday? Coin flip. Or is that too high?
9: Um, I I I, I want to think it's lower than that, but but it's it's not zero, and it's probably not even like ten or twenty percent. I mean, I think there's like a thirty percent chance. And, and the only reason it's not more, okay? The only reason, in my mind, and this is a very, very, like, like you said, dangerous thing to do, right? Trying to predict, yeah, where Jim is at. I apologize so for doing it. This could be completely wrong, but I, I think it would be higher if if they hadn't lost in such historic fashion. I just don't know how he sells uh, Jeff Saturday as the permanent hire. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he really doesn't care. I, I don't know. I don't know. But that is, to me, going to be his chief problem. How do you convince people? I mean, who are you going? Who are you getting to go buy a ticket after what they have seen the last seven weeks? I, I just don't know. And the other part of that equation is the optics around the league and the minority hiring issue. That is going to be unbelievably bad for them. I'm telling you now. So we'll see how that goes,
1: Stephen yesterday I had pointed this out and I think and understandably so uh, I respect people's kind of like shrug of the shoulders to me on this because maybe I wasn't clear on it and you know we don't know this answer but I wanted to run it past you because you do cover the league beyond just the Colts Um, if and I think it's safe to say at this point that Cincinnati and Buffalo are not going to make up that game, right? Like Cincinnati and Buffalo, it would appear that way. Yeah. yeah, They're going to play a 16 game schedule and everyone else will have played 17. I, I, I totally respect that. However, if, and I think this is still a possibility, if that means that in the AFC, the playoff seating defers to winning percentage and Cincinnati and Buffalo have identical records and they face off against one another in the playoffs, would either team not have a legitimate argument in saying, "Wait a minute, we we were denied the opportunity here to get home field over the other one because of a terrible circumstance, albeit"? But how do we determine where that game is going to be played? Because there was a the ultimate tiebreaker was right there, and and then that unfortunately, you know, understandably went away. How would they determine that?
10: Yeah,
9: I mean, I think they'd have to go to the tie-breaking procedures. They'll do that before the playoffs even start, right? I mean, that's how the seeding will—the seeding has to be determined before the playoffs start. So they'll go to the tie-breaking procedures, and they'll they'll be sorted out before the playoffs start. Now, to your question, would one or the other team have a legitimate gripe? Well, sure, they would. Uh, I don't think they would go to the mat on it, right? I just don't feel that way. I hope they would not. I just don't know how you resolve it. it you know, had this happened, we, we had games canceled uh, the last couple of years with COVID. We've had some issues there, and they happened early enough in the season that they were able to to sort of make them up. Uh, but you know, week eighteen or week seventeen, uh, I, I just don't know what the options are. You know, it's I, honestly to have to make the game up is probably. Uh, a, a worse outcome for those teams, you know, to have to play that extra game at, at the last second like that, it might be a worse outcome to have to do that than have to deal with whatever, you know, the, the seedings, whatever dilemma, the seedings create, you know, that were disadvantaged there. So I, I just don't know. I think that the problem is going to be the solution is just not a, is not something they may even prefer. So maybe they just let it, you know, let sleeping dogs lie on that one, I guess.
2: Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. I would say with the season ending, enjoy the off-season vacation. But Lord knows that's not coming. So um, yep. there's going to be a lot of news in the month of January and potentially into February as well. Stephen, thanks, man. I'll see you
9: later. Good. See you guys.
2: Stephen Holder, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Thought that was a good question you brought up, Jake. On the you know who could be gone, business cards, all of that. Um, again. The assumption, I think, is that Chris Ballard will be back, but if the embarrassment is too much and you move on from Ballard and or you change coaching staffs, Gus Bradley's gone, whatever, no one is safe in that locker room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could do – I mean, if a new GM and or new coaches come in here and they go to Ballard and they say, hey, uh, you're paying Shaquille Leonard $20 million? Uh, Dude, I'm good with day three draft picks at linebacker. Right. You know, you're paying Quentin Nelson that money. Totally. I'm good with day three draft picks totally. at guard. Um, you, and we've brought this up several times this season. Chicago's a great example of it. They've brought in new regime, and they've parted ways with some players that you would have classified as core bears in recent years. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. No one, no one, I mean, there are different levels of safe, but no one is safe if and when you do make
1: moves. You know, um... Jeremy asked a good question. We talk in the NBA about you know my proverbial twenty twenty five guy, a guy that's destined uh-huh. to score twenty a game for a twenty five win team his whole career. And he said, "Is it possible that Zaire Franklin is a dynamic tackle four win guy, and that if if Zaire Franklin is leading you in tackles, that you're not winning twelve games?" I think that's a little harsh. I mean, I don't look at the Colts
2: defense and being a four win unit this year. I look at the Colts' defense being. Yeah, I would.
1: That's fair. Like it, like a nine-win unit.
2: Yeah, I mean, know, I'm not going to. not the
1: reason for. Yeah, it. yeah.
2: I, I think I'd fall more on the offensive side of the ball. If you know, if there was some offensive player having this extraordinary year, and you're like, well, you know, Matt Ryan's got to throw the football to somebody. Uh, by the way, the third, the emergency quarterback that would have gone in if Sam Elliott got hurt. Oh, I asked you hurt, this the
1: other day, and your guess was Jelani Woods.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say that's a good guess,
1: and and I think next up would have been. That's a good, I mean, I'll go with Alec Pierce. I think it would have been Campbell.
2: I think Paris Campbell would have gotten a look. Really? But you'd think Alec Pierce, just based off his family's background, would be a pretty natural... I mean, there's uh, got to be... You aren't know. you shocked that that hasn't happened? I mean, all we're talking about is two quarterbacks getting hurt in a game. I mean, I know it's happened, but it doesn't happen more frequently. I mean, I mean hell, as tragic as it was, you saw on... Uh, Monday night, the Bills had two defensive backs get hurt in the
1: first quarter of that game. Two quarterbacks getting hurt? I just, Kevin, when you think about Little League baseball, typically the best athlete, the best player on your Little League team was the pitcher, right? And the same thing, you would have to imagine that 30% of guys in the NFL, that's probably high, but 10%, 10% of guys in the NFL probably played quarterback position at least through high school, Right. They were the best athlete right. in their great. Oh, yeah, for sure. You yep. know?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. By the way, we gotta to touch on, speaking of 25 points on 21 teams. How about Donovan Mitchell the
1: other night? Yeah. You know, for a reason we didn't. Did you see what the NBA did when he had 71? Bring that up.
2: Is that a little tease for us? Uh-huh. It is indeed. Uh, let's do a morning check down before we get to that. <laughs>
5: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mark, what was that little jazz hands
3: thing you did? That was just the did? random, in all quotes, that I did. A random, I've never seen that before. Random, it's very random. random of you. Hmm. Yeah. Never seen that. That was uh, quite the of, move. Is that a new thing State? you're incorporating in 2023? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like it's going to play well on radio. <laughs> you look like when I do. You're playing hand charades. It yeah. looks like you were saying in quotation. "jazz
1: hands" for Mark Dykman. Ball State over Toledo last night, 90 to 83. How about Michael Lewis's club? Now 10 and four. They are one zero in the MAC. They have a six-game win streak. Jeron Coleman had 26 last night. Demarius Jacobs added 25. Jalen Sellers with 15 and 10 boards for the cards. Also in college basketball last night around the area, it was Boston College 70-63 over Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Irish now eight and seven. They are yep. 0 and four in the Kevin ACC. Said,
3: Can't lose to Boston College. Well you correct. can and you did. Right, right. <laughs>
1: Hell
2: of a run for Mike Bray. Time to hang it up.
1: Uh to Paul at Butler tonight, nine o'clock, Indiana State at Illinois State. That's an eight o'clock Tim.
2: Uh we'll talk more about the Pacers coming up here. They are in Philly tonight. I saw it was uh bring your wife or like your significant other girlfriend parent on the road trip. Oh, really? You get a little sketchy, I feel like.
3: With a side chick. Wouldn't that f- be a little.
2: <laughs> Who gets the invite? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally hear you out there. Yeah. I think Jake thought you were more in reference of, you know, could some. Teammates of yours look at some others on the
1: plane <laughs> I and say, That can get a little sketchy. I didn't know say, O'Shea had that. I I've got know. some stories in that I didn't know
2: Mrs. Goga it. looked like yeah, that. Zach people. Wilson's not on the roster. You're all right. Oh, that's, okay, that, that's, that's a good, good point on that front. Um, it is Joel Embiid and the 76ers awaiting Indiana tonight. I think I saw the line it was 7.5 for Philly. Obviously, this matchup, Joel Embiid has feasted on the Pacers in his career. Um, so we'll touch more on that here coming up. Uh, Colts News, they'll get back to practice today. They took yesterday off just from a media availability standpoint. Um, It's something I think you saw a lot of teams around the league do. Uh, But they will get back to practice today. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Colts and Texans. Colts favored by a couple of points in
1: that one. Okay, Kev, you ready for this one? If the Ravens beat the Bengals on Sunday, then both teams will have the same number of wins. The Ravens will have one more loss due to playing one more game, and the Ravens will have beaten the Bengals twice. So who wins the division? Uh, Yeah. There is – you know, the further away we get from the
2: DeMar Hamlin situation, and again, obviously is by no means is – Correct. I mean, we know where the priority of is there. But the logistics with this is a bit complicated, and you will have some teams and organizations that will certainly – be cur- Can you can you give both teams a tie?
1: You would think that that would be the way to factor it in, right?
3: Well, the problem with the with it was that the Bills had they won, they had the tiebreaker over the Chiefs for home field advantage throughout the playoffs because they beat the Chiefs earlier this season. So I think that's a big issue too. Is that. Right. You know, and
1: if it goes by winning You'd only percentage,
3: the first seed gets a home gets a first round buy. If it goes, goes by win advantage. percentage,
1: aren't you? If you're another team, like wait a minute, win percentage. We had one more opportunity to yeah. lose. Than okay,
2: than do we play week eighteen as it is? Play Bills and Bengals in a solo game after week eighteen. Therefore, you've pushed the entire NFL playoffs back a week, and you eliminate the week between the Super Bowl. Zero chance that happens, right? Because of TV like time slots with the playoff games. You would keep the saying. Super Bowl on the same date. you would eliminate the Pro Bowl week, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a skills competition. Okay. Um,
1: I don't know, though, because then that... Wasn't the NFL wording yesterday Kevin, that the Bills and waiting, Bengals... Kevin, you're waiting an extra week for teams to find out who they even play in the AFC. I mean, there's no easy answer. You know, the NFC then, you know, I... Yeah, I don't know, man. Because wasn't the wording yesterday in the NFL
2: press release that the Bills and Bengals game will not be resumed this week? Right. I believe that was the... the yeah technical language language jargon the there. other
1: thing and i i get it listen i had a million people say to me and i know that mark's doing his jazz hands here but i a million people said to me yesterday like, i just yeah, saw one finger there with the jazz hands <laughs> like, honestly like somebody said to me yesterday they're like well jake you work in racing so you should know the race goes on and i'm like well that's true except for that i was there in las vegas on the broadcast when there was a fatality and the race was called they did not continue the race. It was the end of the season so it's a little bit different, but um plus I think in there's the some learning Wilson. We had one race left and they did run that race, but but all of that said I get it. The show goes on however you want to say it. But for those two teams a week removed from it to put them back out there, do you think the players wanted to I mean, you know what I mean? It just it feels I get it. You know, be be a tough guy, be a man. Uh, okay, I mean, sure. But uh, the first and foremost is going to be what happens with Hamlin. I hate to say that, but but Kevin, I don't know when it comes to putting Buffalo and Cincinnati potentially on a field out there together, I don't know that you can do that until you have absolute confirmation that he is going to survive in a healthy way.
2: Um, Buffalo, for what it's worth, just looking at the schedule coming up this week, Buffalo's got New England 1 o'clock at home on Sunday. Cincinnati would be hosting Baltimore. That game time was still to be determined. It was going to be 1 or 425 coming up on Sunday. So I guess that would solve. Cincinnati plays Baltimore, so that could solve your issue there um, with the Bengals and the Ravens. All right, we'll get in some Pacers chatter coming
0: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Up here, uh, Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Chris Widlick, our friend over at CBS4, points out that they had there is precedent of the NFL moving everything by week. They did it in the season after 9-11, where I think it was week two, was it, that they just slid towards the end? Correct, yep. Mm-hmm. And I get that. The The only difference being, as I pointed out to Chris, you know that, that was with a three-month advance notice, right, as opposed to a week ahead of time.
2: Well, this is the awkward nature, too, Jacob. You have one game, not the whole week's schedule. You, you, you have one game that's really up in the air right, right. now with Bills-Bengals. And then... I think in the next 24, 48 hours, certainly in the next 48, maybe the next 24, a decision on week 18 needs to come just from a logistical standpoint. I mean, the Chiefs are going to get on a plane, I guess, Friday to travel to Las Vegas. Tennessee is going to get on a plane to travel to Jacksonville because those two games are Saturday. You have two Saturday games
1: this week. Um, so. You know, I don't know, and before we get into the Donovan Mitchell Cavs conversation, I, I don't know that there has, and I'm sure there have been, okay, but... So speaking rhetorically here, but I don't know that there has been a franchise that has had more, quite frankly, to just overcome or navigate around in a season than this year's Buffalo Bills. I mean, this obviously, you know... is Franchise and city. Correct. I mean, just travel issues, storms, you know, didn't they have one game where they had to... Didn't they have a home game they had to play elsewhere? they played in yeah, the Detroit played the, one game. In Detroit, or so. uh-huh. I, I mean, they've, the city itself has had a casualty of 30-some people with the winter storm that just hit there. and Well, had yeah, the I shooting mean, earlier, um, yeah.
2: the mass shooting at the grocery store earlier in 2022 as well. I mean, man. I was thinking and about was thinking Naeem a, Hines. I was thinking about Naeem Hines the other day. Yeah. You know, that's kind of your probably your most relevant Colts connection. There to it all. Again, the latest on DeMar Hamlin, we haven't really heard any sort of concrete update since yesterday afternoon. His uncle did mention on NFL Network, we'll play that audio here in a little bit, um, that from a ventilator standpoint, the reliance on oxygen has gone from 100% down to 50%. Um, but again, some critical, critical moments and days right here for DeMar Hamlin from a neurological Standpoint, Jake. We really didn't have a ton of opportunity yesterday to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Seventy-one points. He was twenty-two of thirty-four from the field on Monday. Seven of fifteen from the foul line. Twenty of twenty, excuse me. Seven of fifteen from three. Twenty of twenty-five from the foul line. I would say the thing that stands out to me the most about that. He had seventy-one points. He also had eleven
1: assists. I thought the best tweet afterwards was Robin Lopez, who is the twin brother, of course, of Milwaukee's Brooke Lopez and probably the lesser player of the two, but uh, he did send a tweet. I'm just going to get this out of the way right now and point out that Donovan Mitchell and Robin Lopez combined for 72 points tonight. (laughs) Hashtag historic game. That's great. Um, Donovan Mitchell then let it be known after his 71-point performance on Monday night against the Chicago Bulls. That the next day, the very next day, the NBA did what they should do, probably sarcasm. They sent a reward to the Cleveland Cavaliers players with the highest point total since Kobe Bryant's 81 point performance back in 2006. The NBA said, congratulations to Cleveland, congratulations to Donovan Mitchell, and here's a FedEx package for all of you requesting that the team be subject to one of their four random tests for performance-enhancing drugs over the course of the season. <laughs> and so Donovan Mitchell had yeah, to submit. take your urine to Springfield, Donovan. are going to put it up in the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's exactly right. So Donovan Mitchell... Sent out a tweet, by the way, that just said, and, just like that, we're drug tested this morning. So when you emoji.
2: combine points and then assists that went to points, Jake, 99 for Donovan Mitchell on Monday. Unless that is, some of
1: those assists were to threes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had 99 total. Okay, S- 71
2: so own points, then 99 with the 11 assists. So a lot of threes, if you look at that. Uh, second most in NBA history behind Wilt. Wilt had two assists. That'd be six
1: threes, by the way.
2: When he scored. Look just a math aficionado yeah, we have so impressive
1: you guys realize you're, you're dealing with Galileo over here right
2: uh, Kobe Bryant had two assists when he scored 81
3: there have been uh, 14 50 plus point performances so far this season there were 19 total last year and we're just into January you know
1: the other thing too like it seems to me virtually every day now I'm looking at the scores and teams are getting 150 points
2: yeah I mean, remember when we rattled off Luca's five game mm-hmm. stretch? Oh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, got three of them this year. I mean, think back to what Tyrese Halliburton did a few weeks ago. 10 is the most in Pacers <laughs> franchise history. And, uh, you know, that's like 13th on the um, radar NBA wise. Um, so, yeah, eight most points scored in NBA history from Donovan Mitchell. You know, the thing I've always been impressed about Donovan Mitchell, Jake, is like, it's not like he's the six seven just towering wing. You know, by height standards, I know he's got a long wingspan, but by height standards, he is kind of a small two-guard. Um, and yet, he's been such a proficient scorer here uh,
1: in the NBA. You know, Mitchell, to me, is not your proverbial... Mark Monteith made this comparison, and I think it's a darn good one. Benedict Matherin, because Benedict Matherin has like a lower body strength about him. Yeah, Mitchell's like a strong safety. Yeah, and and so Benedict Matherin reminds me of like a Jimmy Butler, because he's kind of a post-you-down creative on the low block when not— I mean, obviously, he's a good outside shooter, but he can score in various ways in the mid-range. And Donovan Mitchell, I don't know that there's another player like him, right? He he just kind of—because he doesn't blow you away. But when he gets going offensively, he's a lightning in a bottle guy. He's—they aren't the exact same body type, but a little bit of Dwayne Wade in him. That's fair, because for that same reason, right? Dwayne Wade's another one that you knew Mitchell probably better shooter. If the spark went off, you knew that with Dwayne Wade, you know here it go, here it comes. Did I ever tell you that my brother was
2: at a wedding that the Lopez brothers were in? Really. I mean, you want to talk about two guys walking down the aisle that are going to turn some heads. Now, so who got? In- so my brother went on a mission trip with um, a group of people from Zionsville, okay. and one of the women within the mission trip, she married a guy from Fresno who was very good friends growing up with the Lopez's.
1: Really? How now about that? They, is that their hometown? Obviously, yeah, Stanford. They're Stanford, Stanford down, right? right? Uh huh. Yeah. Um. You know that Sterling K. Brown and Robin's got the hair, right? The wild hair. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sterling K. Brown is the guy that played um, yeah on This Is Us. Mm-hmm. He played Randall, right? Right at the peak of that show, which by the way is a fabulous show. Right at the peak of that show, he was the best man in a wedding in Indianapolis.
3: Really? Hmm.
1: Just I, I, he's from St. Louis originally. Do We know the story and, with that. Yeah, he's he's a St. Louis native, and I believe a high school, like a childhood friend of his is just a guy right um now lives in indianapolis like his childhood good buddy lives in indianapolis and got married and so sterling you know people from carmel or whatever like you know nancy's marrying that fella from st louis she's been dating for a couple of years and they go to the wedding and the, sterling k brown's giving the toast it's like whoa
2: randall's boy, giving a toast boy you want to talk about getting all ears to listen to that i always feel like every <laughs> time he talks on
1: that show i'm like sitting on the edge of my seat right totally Which of those characters on that show is the most typecast? Which actor or actress?
2: Mm, That's a great question.
1: I feel like Justin Hartley, the guy that played Kevin. I'm always shocked that this is
2: what Mandy Moore's career has turned into. I think of Mandy Moore as a singer.
1: Yeah. I remember, speaking of, of to tie it back to sports, at the RCA Tennis Championships... Several years ago, Andy Roddick was playing in it.
2: God, several years ago, it feels like a—I
1: mean, it was a decade, it was twenty now. years ago, yeah, something like that. And Andy Roddick at the time was dating Mandy Moore, and he was Dave First and I. Were, he's had a were nice first run first. off the off the court. Yeah, he has. Well, he's a nice looking guy, right? Woo! So, <laughs> thank you. And I have always said, by the way, there are few sports that are more captivating to watch sitting down low than high level tennis it's it is something Mm -hmm. but at any rate dave first and i went down like on we were working at channel six and you know it was the seven o'clock center court match we're like yeah let's go watch roddick we went down and watched it and roddick was playing a french player i don't remember the guy's name but he was not highly ranked and um this guy was completely in the zone he was treeing as we used to say about tennis when i was a kid and he had Roddick down. Like I think he won the first set and had him down halfway through the second. And the crowd was probably fifty percent. And Roddick scored a big point and was getting ready to to serve to you know or you know, whatever. And some guy in the stands yells out Come on, A-Rod! which I'd never heard Andy Roddick refer to as A Rod at that point. This other guy ain't sleeping with me anymore. <laughs> And and Andy Roddick stops in the middle of the serve and looks up in the crowd and goes, Come on, man. It's exactly what he said. Come on, man.
5: And then he just went That's on awesome. and
1: served and absolutely blew the French guy off the court. That is awesome. God, yeah, I love fans. You know, Mandy Moore was actually in This Is Us, I she was I thought she was outstanding in that show.
2: Yeah, I mean... I mean, everybody in it was, but she was... Not to act like I didn't know what actors. I'm talking about in Hollywood, but it seems like some terrific acting. Yeah, it was great. Well uh, written. My uh, wife has got to be thrilled that we just talked about This as Us for several minutes.
1: It, did you watch I it to the end?
2: Uh, I've stopped watching because I thought the show was just too depressing for me. Man,
1: I'll tell you what. It, it, it ends, I think, triumphantly, but it is fabulous. Yeah. Uh, All right. When we
2: come back, uh, a little Jim Harbaugh news. We'll give you that update. Where do the Colts kind of fit into all that? We'll take some calls as well and preview tonight Pacers and Sixers. Big one for Miles Turner tonight. We'll talk about that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Good Wednesday morning to you, Kevin and Query. I know the temperature is supposed to drop a little bit here later. In the week. Temperature inside of Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Probably not going to be very raucous. Colts draft position. Third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Those are the four spots that the Colts will find themselves in come Sunday night. Currently in the fifth slot with a win. The furthest they would fall would be sixth to move up to three or four. They're going to need some help from the Cardinals or Broncos. Cardinals have the 49ers. Broncos have the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. Both those games are 425, so I guess it'll be until Sunday evening to where the Colts know exactly where they're going to slot into the draft order. I know Dylan wanted to talk about the Colts' draft pick. Dylan, good morning. Mm.
6: No. John. John? Dylan? Yeah, same, same time. they John, Dylan, whatever.
2: Yeah. That works. I know John hey,
6: Dillon. There you go. Um, Colts, draft. I think, uh, going back to Stephen Holder talking about trying to predict Jim Irsay and all that, I think what's going to happen here, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I want you to write it down. And remember, it's about three, four years from now. Okay, got it. All right. So, we got Arch Manning, Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Marvin Harrison Jr. has one more year that he could come out. We got the sentiment of Jim Irsay being in his fields. We're going to take Harrison Jr. when that happens, and then we're going to take Arch Manning, and you got Manning to Harrison 2.0. And in the meantime, okay. Colts fans better get used to it. I think we're just going to do retread, retread on the quarterback, and we're going to wait it out. So All let me right. ask you this. Okay, is, is, I'm
1: writing this down here. So Marvin Harrison Jr., let me ask you, uh, John Dillon. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., would you would you assume that he is a good enough player that he is going to elevate your roster and your team?
6: uh with the current set of wide receivers right now i would say yes okay it doesn't appear that the reason i the
1: reason anybody. i say it is because arch manning is not eligible for another three years so you're going to have to do three years of suck with who are the Gordon quarterbacks
2: Hayes, i'm Jr. more fascinated about that who are going to be the retreads for the next three years
6: well, apparently we take anything we can get for cheap.
2: <laughs> that's true. But the point so being sound that, that sounds like a desperate oh. statement in Vegas. Marvin in, Harrison
1: man. Jr. is gonna be year three before Arch Manning's even eligible in the draft,
6: right? And do we you know? I agree. I'm going on the sentiment and you put Jeff Setter today as your coach, that's all sentimental and you know how Ursay feels about everybody. He gets so he gets so in his feelings about these guys and you know right now he's got a laughing stock of the team what better way to make a bang and a comeback on the big media and get your monday night games and all that back when you got two guys that you know have ties to people that are you know legends on your team okay.
2: john I mean, dylan it's cool. been written right here 856 appreciate the call on this wednesday morning jake there's no now, emotional now what's edron james son's name oh jizzle oh. Yeah, yeah Jizzle, Can we get him to... Well, isn't Frank Gore's kid running for 350 in the bowl game?
1: That's right. So we can get both those guys right. Yeah, Jizzle's playing basketball. I, well, I know, but I mean, so was, well, so was Mo'Ally Cox.
2: Are we going to tank for Eugene Hilton? <laughs> <Excuse> Boy, <laughs> watch it now. Should... <laughs> That's Sorry. quite the three-headed
1: monster Sorry. you got going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we up against
3: it? Yes, we are. Can <laughs> we need to take a break uh-huh. now? Unbelievable. <laughs> Let's just
2: do that. Well, I was going to go through the Vinatieri <laughs> kid, <laughs> Eugene Sorry. Hilton. Sorry. Jake's projecting <laughs> Of the Colts
3: roster listen. in three years is going to get us kicked off the air.
1: <laughs> it was not intentional.
2: I You got my Cox over here.
1: <laughs> Chisel James over here.
2: If Marvin Harrison Jr. was eligible, would he be the number one pick?
1: <laughs> yes. Possibly, yeah.
3: Kevin's camera went down. That might be the most appropriate thing that
2: just happened. Yeah, I know. I purposely did that. 9 yeah. o'clock uh, hour coming up. Jeez.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALi.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALi.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: by the way happy 34th birthday this is the year that you will turn 34 is that correct
2: yes uh uh-huh september 18th
1: uh happy 34th birthday to graham ray hall
2: really yep he's got a big one tomorrow night
1: what's that big one for him tomorrow night his buckeyes uh he is as devout the buckeyes as you can get yeah
2: I guess he's hurting a little bit from what happened Saturday, but Buckeyes and Boilers tomorrow night over in Columbus. Curious to see how Purdue
1: responds. Yeah, that's going to be – and I'll tell you, Ohio State's decent, right? I mean, that's that's a big game for sure. Um, How do you think Indiana's going to do tomorrow at Iowa? Did you see the story – we haven't touched on this – about Fran McCaffrey's son? Yeah, so one of the two taking a leave of absence. Patrick McCaffrey, 12.5 points a game, third-leading scorer for Iowa. He's taking a leave of absence from the – program to deal with anxiety. Um said that he needs to get his mental health in order. He has struggled in the last few games um and so going to step away from basketball a little bit. And I, I certainly understand that. That's you know I commend him as a young person in that kind of a spotlight to be able to to that's especially, gotta be tough,
2: especially right? Especially with your dad is the coach and yeah. Big Ten season starting, you know, you would think just from a natural like kind of fear of missing out sort of thing that um that would be on your mind. I'm very curious to see how the Jalen Hood Shafino point guard experiment within the start the restart, I guess, of the Big Ten season goes for however long it's going to go. We'll see about Xavier and Johnson.
1: Looks like Tamar Bates is sliding into the starting lineup, right?
2: Yeah, Trey Galloway to the bench. So Tamar Bates in the backcourt. With Jalen hood schifino Again, hood schifino scoring just fine, but in those games against Elon and Kennesaw State, that assist-to-turnover ratio definitely not at your normal point guard level. Um, so 9 o'clock tomorrow night from Iowa City. 7 o'clock, the Boilers in Columbus. Butler in action tonight, 9 o'clock at Hinkle.
1: I've always DePaul. wondered this, Kevin, from a Big Ten standpoint for Purdue and Indiana fans both and maybe it's a different answer for for the two respective programs but of the traditional Big Ten schools and I'll include so in other words I'm not including UCLA and USC but we'll go with I mean we'll go ahead and include Maryland, Nebraska, Penn State well yeah you disregarded
2: Terry Donahue
1: uh, yesterday and right. trying to
2: find my middle name
1: that's right we, In and in, in, I think this has different answers in football as well but in basketball, if you are an Indiana or a Purdue fan, and your school just has a down year where you know things haven't gone their way, you're young, you're rebuilding, whatever, if your school cannot win the Big Ten, which of the other Big Ten schools do you find the most harmless? Where if they win it, you're like, that's eh, cool. I kind of like them. They're fine. Amongst those that are realistic. I mean, Northwestern would, I guess, be anybody's answer, but... Who do you think it would be? I, me personally, growing up a huge Indiana fan, even though they had players that we talked about yesterday that were kind of easy to dislike, I really always kind of respected and liked Iowa. Part of that was, uh, do you remember, you guys probably don't recall because it, it was, I mean you would have been, this was in the early 90s, Iowa had a player, it was a pretty good player named Chris Street Yeah, that was killed in a car accident. And, and when that happened, I wrote a letter to the Iowa basketball program just saying, hey, as an Indiana fan, you know, condolences. I mean, this was obviously pre-social media and internet and everything. And and I know it was formatted what I got back, but they sent back a super nice letter and like a little package with like an Iowa basketball pen and a picture of Chris Street and a pen. And I thought it was cool. I thought it was a, a nice gesture. But I've just always liked – I've always thought that, that arena is pretty cool, tough place to play. And they usually play pretty hard. And they usually score. Yeah.
2: So, like, that's more fun to watch than Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, from an entertainment value standpoint, I, I really have had nothing against the Izzo-Michigan State teams.
1: Did you see Izzo's kid last
2: night? <laughs> oh, I, I I saw the headline but never, cl- never clicked on it. So,
1: Izzo's son plays for Michigan State. It was like a free throw late. You can actually I would I would play the audio except for that you can clearly hear him drop an ex an exclamatory profanity when he so he has I believe he is oh for thirty one in his career at Michigan State on <sighs> oh, the floor. Man boy. So gosh, that's like walk on nightmare. He he got an open look three and missed it. But he was Johnny on the spot, TJ McConnell, hustle guy, and where the ball came off of the rim and got The rebound and got fouled. So he went to the free throw line. Now he's 0 for 31 from the floor in his career as a Spartan. So he goes to the free throw line and the crowd's like ready to just erupt because he's about to score his first point as a Michigan State Spartan. Don't tell me he missed both.
5: (laughs) Why are you laughing
1: so much at him, Jake? (laughs) He's at the line. He looks like Ollie from Hoosiers, except for that instead of an underhand, underhand, he went with the like, (laughs) you know what it looked like? It looked like the free throw that Luka Doncic shot when he intentionally had to miss. (laughs) And as soon as he let go of it, <laughs> the crowd is silent, like trying to like. And, and as soon as he let go of the ball, you <laughs> hear him yell out, "Ah!" And he, it, it, you know, four letter word. And I mean, he missed it. He not only hit it two feet to the left of the rim off the backboard, but I think it almost broke the backboard. It looked like he was like trying to. It looked like he was playing dodgeball. So did he make the second? He. It was a one of one.
4: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I mean, that looks
3: like me when I was like a little kid shooting at the Fisher-Price hoop. That's what that shot was like. He's like trying to put... Well, I just was
2: trying to hit the is zone. I was trying to hit the student section behind the hoop there.
1: I mean, it was... Let me tell you.
2: It literally looked like... Can you imagine how nervous these walk-ons are when they get in? (laughs)
1: And his dad's the coach. So it literally looked like they were like, uh, we're going to pick a... Fans, it's time for the Lucky Larry's Lotto Free Throw Contest. If you're sitting in Section 118, you've got a chance to score a point in this game. And they brought this dude out, and I mean, I'm telling you... It They've was got, brutal.
3: The the funniest part is like the fans that have the hands up like for every free throw and like the most depressing like <laughs> drop your hands, sit back down, he missed it.
1: I mean, it wasn't even over oh thirty like I say this every time I go to a pacer game, when we're sitting there, I've asked Holder, whoever I go with, I always say, Okay, if they put you out there right now in this game and you gotta play the entire game, would you score a point? A point. Whether you're cherry picking a, a layup at the end of the game, or you just simply get fouled and you go to the free throw line, could you score a yeah, point? But why are they guarding you to the point where
2: they need to foul you?
1: I think he 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 got like the rebound and he he was dribbling around and he kind of. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean more I, to your NBA story. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. To your NBA no. hypothetical. Yeah, oh, I, I don't think Doc Rivers is in the huddle tonight to, saying, "Hey, Tyrese
1: Maxey, that
2: query guy, we really you know, need to get, we need to kind <laughs> to force him left." To,
1: well, listen. I mean, back in the day. But uh, you'd have to, I guess, take a charge and be in the bonus, maybe. That would be the only thing I could Do Does think.
2: that count as a free throw, though? I'm always confused on the charge. Don't they just make oh, you take, it's it, just you're take right, it out about You're right, it
1: would just be a... Ch- yeah. Okay, then you'd have to have somebody get a...
2: Blocking foul against you, maybe. There's a
1: tweet
3: I, here from someone who obviously covers Michigan State. Final: Michigan State seventy-four, Nebraska fifty-six. Spartans win their tenth in row versus Nebraska. Looked like it could be the night for Stephen Izzo, but he finishes over
2: two. <laughs> <laughs> how how big is he? Does it? I mean, it's almost like the Carlisle Tristan Thompson audio mark. That's f- fun while it lasted.
7: Yeah, uh, so-
3: Stephen Izzo. 5'8", 150
1: pounds. Gosh. <laughs> Good Lord. Unbelievable. I told you, looks like Ollie. Except for that instead of underhanding the free throw, he decided to go Nolan Ryan with it. <laughs>
3: his uh, 2022-23 season stats, 0.0 points, 0.4 rebounds,
1: 0.0 assists,
3: field goal percentage, 0.0.
1: Okay. He, let, let's look at his high school bio. A two-year letter winner at Lansing Catholic High School. you got to love first the off, letter winner First comment. off, his dad... <laughs> His dad's the head coach at Michigan State, and he lettered two years. Played in 24 games as a senior, averaging 1.5 points in just oh, under five minutes per game. So he's terrible. <laughs> he appeared in nine, nine games as a junior. His personal bio. Oh, his middle name is Mateen. His dad named him after the best point. Son, no pressure, but I'm naming you after the best point guard I ever had. The son of oh Tom goodness. and Lupe Izzo has an older sister, Raquel. List Mateen Cleaves as his sports hero. No kidding. Career goal is to be a general manager in the NBA. Favorite pro team is the Baltimore Ravens. Well, that's not even in the NBA. Favorite athlete... Jared Rosberg. Nickname is Steve O. Oh, great. So he also gold snorts avocado. His first trophy was writing what? His first trophy was writing for a poem about the world's greatest dad.
2: Mateen Cleaves is like, hey man, can you have someone else as your hero? <laughs> Seriously. Speaking of TJ McConnell, Pacers and TJ McConnell back in Philadelphia tonight. It's a seven o'clock tip. Our coverage will begin at six thirty. You know, as we were saying earlier in the show. My issue with this matchup with Miles Turner is Joel Embiid has really been his daddy. Um you look at the numbers that Embiid has put up in this matchup and it's better than he's done against any Eastern Conference team in his career. And again, Embiid is an incredible player, a great talent, but if Miles Turner wants to be known as one of the best defenders, not just rim protectors, one of the best defenders in the NBA, you can't let Embiid get 30 and 15 every time he plays against you. Is there a doctor? And that is what he has done throughout his career. So tonight, Turner and matchup. We didn't see it earlier in the year because Miles was out with that ankle injury. Just don't let him get 30 and 15 on you. If you want to be one of the best defenders in the league,
1: you neutralize Embiid to some degree. You know, Philly has gotten really good play from a couple of young players outside of Embiid, right? Um. Tyrese maxey has been hurt pretty much all year, but he's yeah, but, back. But then they've got uh, Melton. Shake? No, that's um, that's Milton, isn't it? Hang D'Anthony on. Melton? Correct. He's played well for them. He came over, I think, in the offseason. They had a trade there. Uh,
2: they are hel- – I mean, Harden's healthy. Tobias Harris is healthy. They've won 10-12. Harden, I'm not overly sold on, to
1: be honest with you.
2: Buddy. No, but he just somehow – every time I'm like, dude, he is – one slice of pizza away from being out of the league, he seems to get it done.
1: I mean, De'Anthony Melton is giving them good minutes. He's shooting fifty percent uh, against the Pacers in his career, but I mean, he's he's a pretty good floor player. Um, how about George's Niang being big for them off the bench? That dude looks like the my brother has the,
2: my brother-in-law has a Hickory George's Niang jersey.
1: Really? Wow, George's Niang, how great is that? If, if I'm going to sound like an NBA draft night guy here. If you look at Georges Niang's lower body, he looks like the second he's done playing, he's going to weigh 240 pounds in a week. Like That's he so just true. he has the most non-NBA body ever. It's so true. But
2: am I, am I? Is that a fair statement for Embiid and Turner tonight? He's been Turner's daddy in these matchups, and if Miles wants to be known as an all-NBA first-team defender, Miles is great off the ball. He's great on help side. He's great with rim protection, but the one-on-one
1: matchups, they don't go well. By the way, true or false, Joel Embiid is the highest-paid 76er this season. Boy, this
2: could be like a sneaky Tobias Harris answer.
1: I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to say no based off you asking it. Okay. True or false, James Harden is the highest paid Philadelphia 76er this season. I might go false and stick with my Tobias Harris. True or false, Tobias Harris is the highest paid Philadelphia 76er this season. True. Correct. Nice. $37,633,000 for Tobias Harris. $37,633,000 for Tobias Harris. He's nBA to contract. 16 points, six boards a game. 30, I mean, are you kidding me? Take if you can get it. You're right.
2: The first matchup between these two teams, you had Isaiah Jackson and Goga combined for 39 minutes. I have a feeling that will not happen. Well, Isaiah Jackson, I don't think, is even in the city playing for the Mad Ants here for a couple of nights. and I guess it'll be Jalen Smith. Are we ever going to see Daniel Tice?
1: You know... <clears throat> Daniel Tice has allegedly a knee issue. I shouldn't say allegedly, but I don't know. He played in that Euro basketball tournament. I don't know that they know what... I I think that there are some discussions within the Pacers that Tice went from a guy that maybe they were going to flip to whether it's Tice or not, I don't know, but I think they like what he brings. Or I think they feel like they need what he brings. I think the Pacers feel like... The one missing piece for them right now is kind of a bruiser, an enforcer, a Rick Mahorn type, a Dale Davis type, and Tice can be a Steven Adams type, and Tice Mm -hmm. can be that guy. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's – doesn't Daniel Tice – I know he comes from the Celtics, and maybe that's why this is planted in my mind, but doesn't he just kind of feel like a guy that, like – He looks like he came right out of the House of Pain jump around video. Like he should be wearing a throwback Larry Bird jersey and, and running around drinking a Smittix. Right? Yeah, I mean, he that's does a, have a great song, so I'd be all for that.
2: You like that song? That's a great song. I feel like he's always just rocking some hooded sweatshirt on the bench. and yeah, Totally. Yeah. I get that he's you know, a bit on the older side, and it just never seems like when that trade was made he was going to factor in for the Pacers. But right now, it. They could probably use another big if they're not going to play Jackson and Goga. I, it, it's very premature to say this about Isaiah Jackson, but I hope it doesn't fall into the trap, Jake, of... And let me make this clear. I don't think Goga has earned necessarily the right to commit to him for like two and a half months with consistent minutes. But I'm a little nervous that that could happen with Isaiah Jackson. Like, y- y- you've got to commit to him at some point. And Correct. I mean, this goes for quarterbacks who draft in the nfl this goes for young draft picks in the nba isaiah jackson was a freshman at kentucky that really didn't play a ton so the only way i think you're ever going to truly know what you have in him is you expose him to minutes i always struggle with foul trouble at times when he's gotten in there but i just think that's something to keep in mind Uh, he is so
1: talented and i have been enamored by isaiah jackson but you got to be more than a pogo stick pogo sticks are great if you want to go straight up but if you need to get from side to side they ain't very good and he's got to be more than a pogo stick. Yeah. Develop
2: some skill around that. Working work. Again, the foul trouble's been an issue. No, there's some NFL news that's that's
3: tickling my fancy. What, what you, gosh. I would uh, say tell us more, but I'm nervous. No, no, no. It's nothing, nothing bad. Uh, <laughs> the Commanders, after being eliminated from the playoffs, are turning back to Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback for Sunday's season finale against the Cowboys. Looks like rookie Sam Howell will be the backup. So Carson Wentz starts a game. They get eliminated from the postseason. Now he will be the third third-string quarterback for the Commanders on Sunday. Is that his last gig as a starter? You would think. You would hope. Arguably,
2: I, he's How got about that one though, game, and it? they go back to me. Does he? I mean, like, I think th- I think there's just scar tissue. I think there's major scar tissue from how things ended in Philly, and you'll never tap into the MVP-type talent he had. I mean, at at this point, 2017 was five years ago. For an NFL quarterback, that is decades. I mean, I thought they'd start
3: Sam Howell. Aren't they eliminated from the playoffs, Mark? Yeah, they got yeah, eliminated would, because they lost that game because yeah, they went Averard. back to Wentz, and then after the post game, they said, well, are you concerned who the quarterback will be if you're eliminated at 4 o'clock? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, the Packers win.
1: You're gone. Right. And they lost, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- th- surely there is a franchise out there that will still give Wentz another shot, right? Give him a start. Give him a chance to start. Starting, though? I don't know about that.
2: I mean, I'm trying to think of who it would be, but. Hindsight is, of course, 2020 in all of this. But I found it odd. I've actually said this to Frank Reich that the red flags in Philly weren't more on the Colts' mind when they made that trade. And the red flags were this they gave Carson Wentz some $100 million deal. Uh, I think I've got the years. I, I, I want to say it was like the 2019 off season. They come back and they draft Jalen Hurts that next April. Doesn't that tell you everything Correct. that you need to know? Mm-hmm. Of oh my gosh, this is before Carson Wentz led the league well, in interceptions. What do, what do we say, Kevin? In 2020,
1: you when you if you're looking for a new car and you get on Cars dot com and there's my wife used to work there. There's a Mercedes or a Lexus or an, an, an Infinity with 55,000 miles on it, and it's $20,000 less than what it should be, aren't you always like, wait a minute, right?
2: And again, this is an organization that Frank Wright came from and would have an immense amount of respect for. And when they make that move for Hurts, and that was, again, before Carson Wentz had that 2020 season where he led the league in interceptions and got benched with four games to go in the year and still led the league in interceptions. Carson
1: Wentz next season. You ready? Ready? New Orleans, Carolina. For that matter, I'll just say the NFC South: Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, Tampa. Yeah, I, I, is Carolina going to Darnold?
2: Uh, I feel like did, Carolina could take another quarterback. Did he do year. enough?
1: I mean, if if Lamar is Lamar Jackson a free agent? He is right. He is, unless he signs a contract.
3: I, I can't. So if he I, were, I they could could throw one him more too. tag. If Lamar on
1: Jackson them. was to go somewhere else. You know, Baltimore's in the market suddenly. Right? Is New England going to get back into the
2: quarterback market? I. But again, do you get? You can't give him a starting job.
1: Yeah, he's not going to win. He's not going to be given. You cannot right, Jets outright the New York Jets. Boy, he'll be eating alive in New York. I think they'll give Wilson one more chance. I think Carson Wentz's biggest issue is he's emotionally too soft.
2: Yeah, I just think there's mental scar tissue. That there's just scar tissue from what happened in Philly. And while there's oozing talent, and you watch him on a practice field, and you love what you see, you get in a game, and I mean, we had Kurt Warner on what this time last year, and how much did he bring up the eye issue with Wentz of not knowing where to look, not knowing where to go with it? To me, that's that's all scar Is tissue. Carson
1: Wentz the smartest guy in the room. Does he suffer from that? There could be an element of that. I mean, do you think Carson Wentz, not to turn this into another Carson Wentz show, we did a year of them, but do you think his teammates respected him, Kevin? I think some did and
2: some didn't. I think the offensive line was very close to them. Him and Ryan Kelly, extremely close. Receivers? Uh, When the ball was on target. A Jim Harbaugh team odds, 23% Denver, 21% Carolina, 20% Michigan, 14% Colts. I'm telling you. From Vegas.
1: That's going to come down to who offers him the most money.
2: Carolina and Denver with very young ownership within the league Um, in terms of experience. Be curious how that potentially impacts things. For hardball. Alright, pop quiz coming up in about five minutes. Again, Ball State tickets fresh off their victory last night in Toledo. They've won six straight. Michael Lewis' bunch playing great basketball. 10-4 and four on the year. That is Friday night from Worthen Arena. So no matter what, a pair of tickets going your way. 317-239-1070. Um, let's lead off the pop, or excuse me, the morning check down.
5: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: DeMar Hamlin, the latest on that front. Uh, his uncle yesterday spoke with NFL Network, mentioned that from a reliance on the ventilator standpoint, um, it's dropped from 100% down to 50%. So certainly an encouraging sign there, but you know still some very critical moments um, for Hamlin right now. And the rest this week, Uh, here was DeMar Hamlin's uncle, Dorian Glenn, yesterday with NFL Network.
4: What do you think the thing DeMar will say when he wakes up and sees how everything has interacted over the last... 24 hours, man. My nephew's so humble. He he's gonna truly be floored. Like he's he's gonna be floored. He's gonna be in disbelief. But I mean, he shows so much love and he shows so much care and compassion. So it should reciprocate, you know, back to him because he's a genuine guy, positive guy. I mean, you know, he comes from a distressed neighborhood like we come from. You could choose to be a negative impact or you could be a positive impact. And my nephew is like a positive impact all the time, from his toy drive to um, his coaching clinics. He comes back and do to his giveaways. I mean, he's always coming through and trying to be a positive impact for the kids and that type of influence that you can have. I hope he creates ten more Demore Hamlins that can come out and be inspirational to the generations behind them. So I'm truly, here he's still here, able to fight.
2: And actually, we just have more information on DeMar Hamlin. This is from Coley Harvey. For those that have watched ESPN's coverage um, of the DeMar Hamlin situation, Coley Harvey has been live just outside of the UC Medical Center with updates, and he just chatted with Jordan Rooney, who is, I I think, a marketing agent for DeMar Hamlin, has been providing some updates on social media. And Coley Harvey shares this. Per Jordan and DeMar's family, Doctors overnight got promising readings that they had been hoping to see by this morning. Jordan couldn't go into specifics, but progress appears to be made. Damar is still sedated and in critical condition in the ICU.
1: When we talked to Dr. Mottman earlier, who is the cardiological interventionist at Community Heart and Vascular Hospital, he was saying, Kevin, that the the protocol typically with a patient in that situation is that you – intubate them to put them on oxygen, and then do, um, basically, as he said, you you do a, a temperature control of the body to basically alleviate the work effort of all of the organs while awaiting and trying to assess neurological readings. So not to immediately draw that conclusion, but that could be optimism in terms of what they wanted to see of brain activity for him.
2: I know they're not maybe giant steps, but they seem to be some steps in a positive direction here on the DeMar Hamlin front. So we'll continue to keep you posted not only throughout our show, but the
1: midday show and John as well. Uh, College basketball last night. Ball State now 10-4 overall. Michael Lewis's gang, they win 90-83 over Toledo. That is a six-game win streak for the Cards. Jerron Coleman had 26, Demarius Jacobs 25 for Ball State. Boston College in-state scores. 70-63 yesterday over Notre Dame. Can't Irish- we count South Bend
2: as Michigan so we don't have to give like the updates?
1: <laughs> Irish 8-7, 0-4 oh in uh, the Atlantic Coast. <laughs> Schedule 4 tonight. It is Valpo hosting Northern Iowa. Indiana State at Illinois State. That's an 8 o'clock tip. Indiana State coming in with a two-game win streak. The Trees are 11-4. and four. They're 4-0 four oh in the Mobile. Evansville and Missouri State at 8 o'clock. And DePaul... At Hinkle to take on Butler. That is a nine o'clock tip.
2: Could be two in a row for Thad Mata's bunch. Uh, tonight in Philly, it's Pacers and 76ers. I mentioned it earlier about a seven point spread in that matchup 21 and 17 on the year. Indiana currently six in the Eastern Conference, Philly at fifth. So for those that you know are thinking playoffs or want to see this team in the postseason, that is something to keep an eye on uh, just from a standings standpoint. And the Colts still get back to practice today. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, in very fitting fashion to close out the year. Colts-Texans, that means you get Spiro, Odidas and Jay Feely on the call. A two-and-a-half point favorite for in that one. Uh, Mark Dykton has also brought up the broadcast window. You said it's like a six-mile radius outside of Indianapolis and in Houston. Has to be. For that.
3: I mean, come on. Who else is watching that game at 1 o'clock on the last Sunday
2: of the regular season? How great would that be? Like, yeah, we're going to move that to 10 a.m. <laughs> it's a London game. No, yeah, exactly. 10 Eastern for that one. All right, pop quiz is coming up next. 317-239-1070. Again, pair state tickets to Friday night's matchup from Worthen Arena.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
1: All right, uh, Pop Quiz. Scotty not in attendance. He's got a meeting today, apparently. So he's not up here for the pop quiz to officiate. That mean that may mean tons of hints for me, right? Look, well, that meant tons of <laughs> hints yesterday too.
2: Yeah, I think that means Mark is the official. Well, it has to be. Mark, you're the third party. Okay. If we give Jake those honors, it'll be a five for five. By the There'll way, here multiple is a hints
1: for everyone. Here is a sneaky Jake query hint. Question number two. The answer was biblical. <laughs> that it was one of my if not actually my favorite players of my childhood and i think one of the most forgotten and underrated players of his era
3: interesting that wasn't as big as
1: softball as i thought
3: it was no
2: well i probably gave more of a one than you did that's right uh, all right, let's pick a number, Jake. One
1: through ten. Actually, if you look at the guy for number two, the answer. All right, all right, if all right. You, if you, you Turn off his mic. If you take his last name and you combine it with the area of the court he played, you'd have a musician, right?
2: What? I, that, I do not follow that. I don't
1: that If you take his last name yeah. and you combine it with the area of the court with where he played, you would get a musician. That's all. People will be able to figure that out. I... I'm lost on that one. Number one
3: through eight. Uh, Six. Who we got, Mark? Teve. Teve? Yeah. T-E-V-E. Teve, what's up? Are you there? Teve? Hello. Uh, Hello,
8: Keith. (laughs) Hey, Teve, is it T-E-V-E? I don't know where they got up with that. No, it's K-E-I-T-H. Keith. Keith. Oh, Keith. <laughs> mm, <boy>. Man, <laughs> Mark Mark Mark's going in
2: and out. I was I was that. clarifying
3: multiple times. Hey, like, uh, Steve I was gonna say that? we
2: were gonna have a field day with that one. That, uh,
8: that is an automatic win. First play, Hey, <laughs> hey thank you guys for the uh, for the NFL updates. We appreciate you guys doing that. I take that as good news, but I appreciate you guys keeping us updated.
1: Yeah, I, I think you bet. Keith, in all honesty, I think at this point, and I don't mean this to be and say, I, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way a, any news that is not bad news is good news does that make sense what i'm saying there you go yeah. there you go absolutely uh, keith how old a fellow are you 52 52 I hate to, yeah hate to say that well that's mm-hmm. i'm with you brother i'm 50 so when yeah. you were a kid keith who was the first sports poster you had on your wall
8: Oh, man, you know, I really didn't. That was the thing. I didn't have posters when I was a kid on my wall. I know, right? Uh, you will so played- Tell you this. So the first. So one player I did think a lot about was uh, Fisk that played for the uh, Chicago White Sox. Yeah, Carl yeah, Pudge time, Carlton? Yep. The yeah. first time I ever went to a baseball game, and matter of fact, the only time I have ever been to a professional baseball game. I ended up catching a foul ball. I was 12 years old. and about that? Ran, really? up, ran up about 12 rows up, and everybody was in a pile fighting for it. I kneeled down, and there it was sitting against the wall. I grabbed it, took off back to my seat, and Rob Bruins so of the California Angels autographed it for me. Do you still have the ball? That's a dream, Keith i i got a big ink stain on it from somewhere somehow and i moved like a gazillion times between now and that point and i have no clue where the ball is unfortunately <laughs> so
1: keith where, when you played little league baseball you played little league baseball where uh up in cass county cass county so did yep. you go to lewis cass high school no i went to locust fort okay. my children went to lewis cass yeah the, the berries right okay the berry bowl that's right. right that's right yeah yeah. He likes the cat, baby. All right, Keith. Would, you guys are good. Would you like for me, that would be Jake, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off with By the way, Keith, do you want to go to a Reds game sometime? Just maybe get a
8: PBR and go to the Reds game? That would be good, actually. My son has never been to a professional anything, so my youngest son. So that would be, yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, some might
2: say the Reds don't qualify as a professional baseball team. What about team, a Pacer so game, we'll Keith? Are, you a, are you a
8: Pacers fan, Keith? You know, or I have to, to be honest. I, I was a bit diehard. I'm staying up until two o'clock in the morning to watch the Pacers play. Get up at work at six, right? One of those guys. I have not watched them over the past like four or five years, but I am really, really intrigued. This and your your son Ooh. is how old? Thirteen, the youngest. So here's
1: what we're gonna do, Keith. Uh, Mark, I'm gonna have Mark put you on hold when we're done here, and I want you and your son to come with me to a Pacer game. We'll do that instead of a Reds game. How's that? wow that'd be
8: awesome yes okay right. but hey so yeah so you have me a little bit scared with that with that question that you're throwing at us here just a second ago so be more scared sitting next to yeah jake i was gonna say <laughs> keith i'll give you my number
2: if you need anything then you can call
1: me all right <laughs> okay, all right here we go would you like for me that would be jake or for kevin to lead
8: you off with question number one keith I'm going to go with Kevin after that scary question at the beginning. All
2: right. <laughs> Number one, Keith, Pacers take a four-game winning streak to Philly tonight as they face the Sixers. When was the last time the Pacers won five games in a row? They did it earlier this year, the pandemic season, 2019-2020, or
8: 2018-19? I'm going to say 2020, pandemic season. Not too long ago, to be honest with you, Keith. Uh yeah, twenty one was the year. Not definitely. I mean, not long ago at all. Uh, 22. Man, I'm mm-hmm. so proud they did that. All right, I'm throwing
1: a blank on that. Question number two, Keith. Here we go. You ready? Giannis scored fifty five points and grabbed ten boards in the Bucks' win over the Wizards last night. He is just the third player since the merger to have a three game streak of at least forty points and ten boards. One to have done it is Russell Westbrook. The other is a Basketball Hall of Famer who also played in the ABA. And if you combine his last name with the area of the floor that he played, you would get a current musician. Is it George McGinnis, Julius Irving, Dan Issel, or Moses
8: Malone? I want to say Julius Irving, but I'm really thinking... Uh, I want to say Julius
1: Irving. He was the second player to be drafted directly out of high school into the ABA when he signed with the Houston Rockets. Give me the list again, please. George McGinnis, Julius Irving, Dan Issel, or Moses Malone? McGinnis. Okay. Okay. You guys
8: understand oh, the I head. Oh, I really, really thought Post
2: Malone would be relevant in Keith's mind there. Uh,
8: the sixth-ranked it, Texas it Longhorns. Was, it was. So, you know, I'm really, really debating hard about Post Malone, but I, I can't think of the arena parts what throw me off on that.
2: So. Yeah, shocking that Jake has confused you with one of his hints there. Uh, the sixth-ranked Texas Longhorns beating at home 116-103 last night. The 116 points is the most by an unranked team in a road win against a top-10 team since the poll began in 1948 who knocked off the longhorns last night in austin kansas state texas tech west virginia or oklahoma state
8: west virginia
1: okay question number four new mexico lost last night at fresno state which means the 76 indiana hoosiers remain the last undefeated team in NCAA men's basketball history. Last season, the final two unbeatens fell on January 11th. One was top-ranked Baylor. The other was this soon-to-be Big Ten school, Gonzaga, USC, UCLA, or Arizona. UCLA. Okay. Keith to round it out. Oh. <laughs>
2: since I feel like he says answers and then is very like second-guessing of himself. Uh, since Hell IU's yeah. undefeated season, two teams have reached the national championship game unbeaten before losing in the final. Can you name one of the two teams?
8: I lost you for a second. Repeat the question, please. Yeah,
2: two teams have reached the national championship game unbeaten before losing in the final since IU did it in 76. Can you name one of the two? Both have local ties.
8: Purdue. No, they never got to it. Never mind. Purdue fans wish. Yeah, no kidding.
2: So do Notre Dame Uh, fans. All those Notre Dame basketball fans out there.
8: I want to say Butler, but I don't know what the record was. under. You
1: were about nine years old.
8: You were about nine years old
1: when a team that probably a lot of people around Lewis Cass were talking about got to the Final Four in Salt Lake City. Man, oh man. And they lost they lost to a guy who uh, also went on to a great NBA career and the player that he was playing against that was talked a lot about in this state, they became rivals through that their entire NBA career. Where was it Kentucky? They their their nickname actually is something that you plant on Arbor Day. They you
8: know, dropped out of college for a reason, right? Their it's best, like well, test. so
1: did so did their best player actually, uh, <laughs> and then he and then he ended up back in school. Um, and what know, time does w- the show end? His, uh, we have a guest calling in. His by last the way, name's a canary 9.5. a Cardinal. Really, Ball
8: State? Oh Lord! <laughs> All right, Lord, Pacers four, four gonna...
2: game winning streak. Uh, they go to Philly tonight. The last time the Pacers won five in a row, it was indeed earlier this season.
1: See, though uh moses malone who plays in the post post malone by the way pretty good musician was a question for number two it was kansas state it! for number three keith stay on the line i want mark to get your number uh kansas state for number three southern cal for question number four and number five it was gonzaga who lost to baylor in 2021 and indiana state who lost to Michigan State in 1979? Jake,
2: to round out the show today, um, big Colts fan, tall, short, reached out to me yesterday, and Tall and I have gone back and forth on Instagram actually about the Colts over the past few years. And when he reached out, I'm thinking to myself, man, that name sounds so familiar. And I said to you, watching the Demar Hamlin situation on Monday night, one of the first things I thought of was John Stewart. And for those unfamiliar with the John Stewart story, um, the big man at Lawrence North High School who tragically collapsed in a regional game uh, in Columbus in 1999 and died, um, Tall was the point guard on that Lawrence North team. And he said, if you want, happy to call in and kind of share some of my thoughts on what we felt in those moments. They did continue the game that night against Bloomington South. Um, and I think it's certainly relevant with um, the Buffalo Bills and everything that happened to Mar Hamlin related. Anything John Stewart wise, Jake, in that story that that I might have missed for
1: our audience that might not be too too familiar with that? Yeah, I remember um, you know John Stewart being at Lawrence North. I was at Channel Six at the time and was working the night of that tragedy. Um, the thing that I would say about John Stewart kind of the, aside from the obvious tragedy of a young person losing his life, Kevin, was and I'll be interested in tall's recollection of this, but like he he was really coming into his own right around then. You know, he was he was a little bit overweight and wasn't the, the the most fleet of foot and you could kind of see towards the end of his senior year where everything came together and it was like man, this guy's gonna be a great player. Um Tubby Smith had signed him at Kentucky and honored him at senior night, and really made him part of the Kentucky family posthumously, which I thought was a nice touch. So, again, we'll chat with Tall
2: coming up next here at Around Thin.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Things out. Kevin Acquire, 93.51075, The Fan. Jake, I shared with you on Tuesday's show, or I guess yesterday, that you know I saw the Damar Hamlin thing unfold. Uh, one of my first kind of vivid sports slash life memories was uh, John Stewart, and for those unfamiliar with John, big man at Lawrence North High School, 1999, uh, going to Kentucky, collapses in the regional game in Columbus. And, and sadly uh, passes away. And, you know, you watch the Bills players and the Bengals players react to everything on Monday night, and I'm thinking, boy, can you imagine, like, the Lawrence North players or you know, the Bloomington and South players and and, and how that might have been. And very ironically enough, uh, Tall Short, who is the point guard on that LN team, uh, him and I, I guess, kind of know each other, have <laughs> gone back and forth over the last couple of years, mainly talking Colts um and he reached out to me and and said that he'd be happy to join us and just kind of give some perspective and and, and probably bring up some memories that at times he wishes he could forget about what transpired back in 1999 and Tall joins us now um and, and Tall thank you for for doing this I greatly appreciate it um I guess let's just go back to now, 23 years ago, and, and what you remember about everything that transpired um, in that third quarter down there in Columbus.
10: Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, Kevin, Jake, love your show. Thank you guys for what you do. Um, just so you guys know, I'm I live in Foxborough, so I, and I work in Boston, so I have a, a nice long commute, about an hour every day. So I, I get to spend it with you guys. and make it a little bit less painful. Um, so, just appreciate that. Um, but yeah, when when this whole situation happened Monday night, obviously, I, I had that feeling again of you know remembering <laughs> some some really tough memories. But um, you know, I, I just thought about those players and everything, and you know everything they're, they're witnessing on the field. And because I, I remember it like it was yesterday, right? Like we were, you know, we got pulled into you know we first did the whole prey around you know mid court, and then they pulled us into the locker room and. Um, you know, they asked us, "Do we want to play?" And I think I was the, the captain, point guard. So I went first. I said I, I wasn't ready. Um, you know, teammates all wanted to win for John um, because at that point they had told us he had heart- he had a heartbeat, um, and so we were thinking, "All right, let's win it for John." You know, let's do it, and he can join us next week. You know, when we beat up on Jake's North Central Panthers. But obviously, when we went out, I walked out of the locker room and I, I saw them poking on his chest and. To me, I mean, I'm, I was an 18-year-old kid. I, I, something just didn't add up. If he had a heart rate, why are they pumping on his chest? And so, I just remember that whole like something's not right. And I really had that same feeling Monday night when I saw the players' faces. Is really when I, you know, we've seen players get paralyzed and you know possibly paralyzed. And there's a different look than what I saw when I saw Josh Allen's face. There was just there was just something there that reminded me of that night of just total shock and you know that that fear that like what's going to happen and um you know I I think I feel for those players that now have to play again and I I just don't know how they're going to do it I'll be honest I it took me it shook me for a long time I I had to move on to baseball season and you know we are I was on a pretty good baseball team too we had to play finals and it took me a lot about how the season before I really wanted to compete again there was just this you know fear of something was going to happen or um so I feel for these players and um yeah it was just a obviously a tough situation we, we we still bring it up so we can honor john uh, but i know even the Blooming south players they, they were struggling and you know we became close with them afterwards and um yeah so a tough situation but i just feel for you know those players obviously praying for and his health. but you know just the after facts are you know the aftershocks are going to be real for these players
1: so you guys did continue that game correct yes we did that night in in hindsight in hindsight, now, some 20 years later, hindsight's 2020, 20, I guess, but do you look back and wish that you guys had handled it differently? And should there have been adults that took that decision out of the hands of 18 year olds?
10: No, I, I mean, I think it was on us players. That I, you know, I know we're young, but it, I don't know if we would have played the game, right? Like, I think it probably would have been canceled. I don't know how, because it was the state tournament, right? So, how that would happen, um, you know. It, because, obviously, at that point, we didn't know he had passed away, right? So we thought he was just in the hospital and he was going to join us. So with the facts that we were given and the facts we were going off of, I think we made the right call, even though I was against kind of what I believed. But it was you know the team's decision, and you know we wanted to win it for John at that point.
2: Again, he's tall short. Um, the point guard and the captain on the Lawrence North basketball team back in 1999 when John Stewart tragically passed on the court um, in, in in Columbus in the regional game against Blimpton South. Um, Tal, you have any memories about finishing that game? Like, your emotions and playing the rest of that third quarter? I think it was the third quarter and, and the rest yeah. of the game.
10: Yeah, so it was actually, yeah, it was the third quarter. Um, I think it was about two two 2.32 left in the third. You know, John was having an incredible game. I know, Jake, you were talking about it. He was really coming on. He had, I think 23 and 13 and just you know they were single coverage in him. So, you know, as a, a game we were playing really well. Blooming South was one. We were number two. So, you know, Eight thousand people in the gym, so it was just you know iconic high school basketball, and I just remember you know dribbling up. I feel like I was still like crying. I remember there was like tears, um, you know, and I got John Holmes guarding me, you know, North Carolina product, son of the coach, you know, all, you know Indiana all-state guy. So you know, I'm trying to focus on the game, but I, I remember we actually went into overtime. I, I eventually fouled out um, and just felt terrible. And you know, it was a close game; we lost, but. You know, it was a blur, the game. I remember a lot of the stuff afterwards, like going to the hospital and, you know, Coach Kiefer telling us that John had died on the blast. Like, I remember all that pretty vividly, but honestly, I couldn't remember. I, I do remember, you know, the first play out of kind of the situation. Chris Hill, you know, our, our starting shooting guard who went to Mission State, hit a, you know, an unbelievable three pointer to kind of get us back on track, but we just, you know, couldn't overcome, obviously, losing John and everything. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty much a blur. Tall we've got just
1: about a minute and a half left here but I wanted to give you this opportunity um how often now do you do you think of John Stewart and do you relive not, that night and was it difficult to transition from thinking of it in terms of that nightmare and being able to see the totality of your experience as teammates yeah no it's it's
10: a good question Jake yeah it's been a you know obviously a long process, um, you know, dealing with something that was that tragic. You know, I had to speak at his funeral. I had never even been to a funeral we up there, you know, talking after Tubby Smith. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot. But, you know, looking back, you know, if we would have just everything happened and we would have won the state title, which we, we think we would have, um, you know, we just would have been another team, you know. And, and now, you know, all of us, you know, we still talk, a lot of us, and, you know, we we're still connected after all these years. And, you know, and John brought us all together and, you know trying to change our outlook on life he he definitely changed mine you know uh, he he was such a fun loving guy and, you know i'm it's unfortunate that more people didn't get to know him but um, he was just an incredible guy an incredible team i would say you know we that that team was it was something I'll we'll never forget and you know we, we still you know talk and communicate and, and it's all because of John I and mean, i have a tattoo on my arm with with John's name on it so obviously every day i, I can't not think about him um, and that team really
2: that's all. Thank you. Um, I can only imagine the emotions you felt Monday night and, and probably here in the last, you know, 24, 48 hours or so. So really appreciate you sharing some of that with us. And uh, thank you for listening as well. Uh, good luck out in Boston and Foxborough this time of year. All right. Thanks, guys. God bless. That's tall short right down the Payless Lickers hotline getting the point guard with John Stewart. Uh, everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow here. Kevin Aquari, 93.5 on 7.5 The Fan.